Blog Talk Radio. Fun. I enjoy that. You know what I forgot? 
like it was so funny because the night before I was <laughs> discussing with my husband. I was saying, you know what? I was discussing Bobby Brown's playlist. I said, this is Bobby Brown's playlist. I said, I need a girlfriend. <laughs> the girl next door, we're going to throw a couple of new edition songs in there. <laughs> I had Bobby's playlist down, man. <laughs> but Bobby threw some uh, curveballs in there that I was like, damn, I forgot Bobby did that. <laughs> so, yeah, I was excited about this women's verses. And, of course, Keith Sweat, you know, listen, I remember story time. My freshman year in high school, okay, little old sweet freshman. I went to, see, I went to Westport. This is weird, okay. I went to Westport Junior as a young girl. Like, Westport, there was two school, two high schools by me. There's this Westport and uh, Westport uh, Senior, okay. My mom went there, too, and and my uncle, too. But Westport, uh it was called Emmanuel back then, the junior school, okay? And so I went to Westport Junior, and I went to Westport Senior. Uh, I graduated from Westport. Uh, it was a magnet school by the time I graduated. But when I was uh, when I was went to my freshman year, I wanted to go someplace different. I was like, I want to go to a different school. La, 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 la. And I had picked one school, but my grandmother was like, it was way out, and they had just started this magnet program. My grandma was like, no, 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 you can't do that. So I got shipped off to, I went to end up going to the school Northeast, which I loved. I like Northeast. And I made a lot of friends at Northeast, but it was nothing like Westport. Like, Westport was my school. Because <laughs> I went there, you know, all uh, all the whole time. So, but anyway, my freshman year, okay? So, Keith Sweat, the reason why I'm telling the story, because Keith Sweat was such an intricate part of my, like, my freshman year. <laughs> I think it was my freshman year. Yeah, because I remember... Uh, that song, like, all summer long, that Key Sweat album, just hearing that damn album. I think that was my senior year. Was it my senior year? I think it was the Key Sweat album. Yeah. Right? I think, no, it was my freshman year. It was my freshman year because I think I remember because I got my first prom I went to was my freshman year. And I remember this album playing. Key Sweat playing that summer, my fr- my first prom, freshman year, I was going with a senior in high school who was at Westport. He was a big basketball star. I was going with him, and I, w- and I went to, my grandparents surprisingly let me go to the prom. <laughs> let me go to the prom. And I remember that album just being the backdrop. Yeah, I think it was that first Key Sweat album, the Make It Last Forever album. Oh, my God. Memories. So many damn memories. That I'm telling my age. <laughs> I think that was that Keith Sweat first time. Let's see. Let's look it up. I want to make sure. Because I think I remember. That's how I remember. Keith Sweat. Let's look at Sweat first album, okay? And I remember, you know, I went. To, I think I went to more Keith Sweat concerts than anyone. And let me, it's not because I was a big, I'm a big Keith Sweat fan. I like Keith Sweat. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I just was going to see other people. And Keith Sweat always would be performing. <laughs> yeah, nineteen eighty. That's right. That's right. It came out in November of eighty-seven. So eighty-eight. That would be right exactly my senior, that senior year. Eighty-eight. That summer, that album was just like on fire. Everybody was playing that "You May Be Young But You're Ready" song. <laughs> And I want was I want to sex you up the big song was that no or was that a little later on 
I can't remember, but I know I remember Keith Sweat just pumping that whole summer going to my sophomore year and my first prom ever that I went to. Keith Sweat playing, just playing, which was so funny. It was crazy, okay? Just so many memories to that damn thing. <laughs> but I enjoyed it, okay? And so many memories, of course, to Bobby. Okay, so Bobby Brown, my first Bobby Brown album did not come from me buying it, okay? My first Bobby Brown album came because I was a big Radioscope fan. I think I've told y'all my story about Radioscope. Like, I was one of, like, Radioscope's, like, top people. Like, I would call in. They put me on there. My friends be at school going, I heard you on Radioscope. <laughs> and every time I would call in to be about new edition. <laughs> I was a male. Uh, hi, I just want to see if new edition, I want to know if Bobby is this or that. I mean, I had a question for everything. So they would send me all kind of goodies. Radioscope with Lee Bailey. Okay, it used to come on, it used to be this big show that would come on at night, and they'd be always introducing our friend from Kansas City, Keisha's on the line, and she wants to know, has a question about New Edition. Oh, that shit used to, I used to get so much hype from that. But anyway, <laughs> right? And so, like, they used to send me T-shirts or records. My first Phyllis Hyman album came from them. My first Bobby Brown album. The I Need a Girlfriend album came from Radioscope. Radioscope used to send me all kind of shit. It used to be so great. Radioscope would send me all kind of shit all the time. <laughs> okay, so yeah, I, I, Bobby, so I remember that, and I remember everybody thinking Bobby was just going to fail because he had left New Edition. I remember all the New Edition fans, like, just literally being very angry. <laughs> but I also remember, too, you know, going to my first New Edition concert where Bobby, where it was the original New Edition, not Johnny Gill. It was like, and it was a world of fun. And the reason why I remember this is, my, it was in my eighth grade year, or was I going to the eighth grade? I think I was going to the eighth grade. And that summer I went to San Francisco to stay with my uncle. <laughs> this is a funny-ass story, okay? I'm telling you all a lot of stories because the verses reminded me of shit. So here I'm going, y'all know how I like to tell stories. Okay. So my uncle, that summer, I went to go stay with my uncle, right? And I'm thinking, you know, I'm not thinking new, edi- new edition is coming, but my girlfriend, Gayla, goes to a new edition concert while I'm gone for the summer. She calls me, I'm like, oh, my God, it was so good, and they're coming back to World of Fun at the end of July. And I'm like, huh? <laughs> and she's like, yeah, I don't know if you're going to be home, though, because you're in San Francisco all summer. I'm like, oh, hell no. Nah. <laughs> so I'm all upset. So my uncle does everything to try to make it up to me. He was so sweet. My uncle, like, bought me, like, or, like I used to love magazines, like, Right On, Black Beat, Beat, Black, Black, all kind of black men. So he went out and bought these magazines with a new edition on the cover, trying to make up for it. And then he took me to, I remember he took me to uh, to see, because to, I love music. So he took me to see Jefferson Starship. Shit, I, I, I'm sorry, I was in the Jefferson Starship. Twisted Sister. Like, it's like he's trying to make it up. To, those were all my groups back in the 80s, okay? And so I was like, that still don't make up for new edition. I got to be back for the damn new edition concert. So I think I went home like a week early because my grandmother had got tickets for the New Edition concert. Man, you talk about, man, I was so excited. Second row, 
Utah and Bobby and New Edition singing Lost in Love. I think I was gonna cry. I think I was. Gonna, I, I was a true. I am a true New Edition fan. <laughs> I still remember that concert. I still remember me with my curl, and I had the Madonna bow in my head, and how these pimp striped jeans and this hot pink shirt. Shit, you couldn't tell my little ass to nothing. Okay, I was hyped. Okay. So I'm a true New Edition fan, so Bobby means a lot to me, okay? <laughs> and I had that first Bobby Brown album with I Need a Girlfriend and what the and and, and, and uh what is it? Um and uh the girl next door which was funny because I remember the girl next door video when Bobby had the red uh what was it the cup the we had red penis cup he or that used to Roger Trotman, I'm not Roger Trotman, the guy from Cameo used to wear, Larry Tro- Larry Blackman used to wear all the time. <gasps> Bobby had it on in this video at the end of the video, the girl next door, hilarious video. <laughs> True to edition fan here, okay? <laughs> and, of course, Keith Sweat. I always see Keith Sweat in concert a whole lot. I'm telling you, I think I've been seeing Keith Sweat in concert since probably seventh grade. You know, my first concert was at nine. It wasn't weird for me to be going to concerts at 13, 14. I was. I was going to concerts. I think I remember my, I remember going to see, like, at 13, Fat Boys, Salt and Pepper. And I think Keith Sweat was on that concert. It was Keith Sweat. It's like, it's like 88 or 89. I still have ticket stubs. I, I, that's how big I was into concerts. I have mostly all my old ticket stubs from shows and concerts, Okay. Actually, was that my first concert? Really, you know what I always like to say? Yeah, Zap and SOS Band was my first concert, and then I think shortly afterwards my mom brought me tickets for Victory Tour. Oh, shit, y'all like, you went to the Victory Tour? Yes, bitch, I was at the Victory Tour. <laughs> yes, so many memories, okay? For those of you who don't know what the Victory Tour is, it was Michael Jackson, okay, and the Jacksons. They get they did a reunion tour in the eighties, right? And their first stop was Kansas City. They had to buy four tickets. Like, you know, you had to buy four tickets and my my uncle and my mom bought me and my cousin tickets. And we had four seats. Bitch, you couldn't tell us nothing. Because hardly nobody you know, you little little hood kids couldn't get the four seats. <laughs> but my uncle lived way out. And they my mama put his address on there. Shit, we got he lived down in the suburbs. So we got the good seats. Oh, shit. There it be so many memories, okay? I'm a listen, but that verse has brought back memories for me when as a kid and all these, like, love, these musical things that I really love. But, yeah, so I've been a concert goer forever. And so Keith Sweat, Bobby, Bobby Brown, I, I've been seeing Keith Sweat since I was probably, like, maybe, maybe 15, 14, 15 no, Keith Sweat was, he was on a show I went to with Salt and Pepper, but it wasn't that show. I've seen Keith Sweat a lot. i got to say I've probably seen Keith Sweat maybe about ten times in concert. Maybe seriously. I, maybe more than that. It might be more because it was, it was always an accident. <laughs> like he would be on the show, especially back then because he was big. And, like, I would go to, we always go to these outside concerts, and Keith Sweat would be headlining and shit. Like, even when I got older, Keith Sweat be headlining some damn concert I'd be going to. I remember going to an old school concert, and it was like Naughty by Nature, 
ready for the world. It was some kind of wild. And then Key Sweat was at the end. I was like, what the fuck? I mean, Key Sweat was. <laughs> I remember going back in the day to uh, see Bobby Brown, Johnny Kemp, when Johnny Kemp was alive, Just Got Paid, Just Got Paid song. Uh, Tony, Tony, Tony was on that one. It was, I forget who else. It was, it was a lot of people. And I remember thinking, at the end, Keith Sweat was at the end. <laughs> Keith Sweat's ass was out. I was seeing Keith Sweat's ass. I just saw Keith Sweat's ass so many times. It wasn't because, like, I was a huge Keith Sweat fan. It was just because he just happened to be always on the show. It just He just happened to be there. But, yeah, and I, you know, and I saw Bobby at his height like three times, you know, when Bobby was like really huge and girls was going crazy. Like, you know, I remember he was, I remember going to the first, like when he was real big, when Roni was at, Roni was like huge, and people was getting mad at him because he was pulling up chicks on stage, right? And I was up front, and I was a cute little something, okay? Like, I ain't gonna lie. And I remember me and a friend, my girlfriend, and another girl was up front, and this other girl had just befriend, befriended us to the, in the concert, right? And Bobby was like, you know, talking about he was looking for a Roni and stuff like that. And I knew, I was like, shit, let me put my head down because I know if I get, because I'd already seen what happened when he pulled the girls up on stage. I'd been seeing, because, you know, I had, back in the day, I had, your girl had BET early. So I was like, uh-uh, my grandma and them, I get up on that stage, my little hot ass. I was like 15, 16, shit, I couldn't get back in the house. So, <laughs> but the girl next to us, she was hollering and screaming and stuff. I was like, shit, yes, pick her, pick her, because I was, I had my back. And he picked her, oh, Lord, it was, it was wild. <laughs> I was like, my ass is underage, okay? You know what? My ass get up there. My grandpa would come up in here and be kicking everybody's ass. Bobby Brown's bodyguard and Bobby Brown. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Memories are verses. So it was fun to see those two guys performing and having a good time. I enjoyed it. It took me back down memory lane, okay? So, you guys. We got so much to do and talk about. Y'all know how I love to get off into my stories. I'm such a storyteller. I had an interesting young adulthood childhood. <laughs> okay, so let's talk. What we got to talk about today? Okay, so much. Uh, we talked about verses. Uh, happy 4th of July. The 4th of July is like, like an hour or so. Oh, my God, it all goes by so fast. It does. It's been quite the year. <laughs> We're already in the seventh month. This is kind of crazy. It has to, does it seem like it, 2021 is going real fast for you? Because it seems like it's going fast for me, okay? I'm like, damn, we were just in 2020, locked down and shit, listening to D-Nice. At night, when you ain't got shit to do, you can go out your house, but all you had to do is sit in the house and eat. <laughs> Put D-Nice D on the Apple TV and chill. <laughs> now we got shit to do. And now they're trying to talk about Delta variant going around here. I, I, you know what? I try not to pay no attention. It's too much going on in the world. It's so much going on, right? But 
I mean, we just, like the other day, I went someplace, I felt so free. Like, I didn't have to have a mask. I was like, what the fuck? Is this? This, is, this is great. I didn't know how to act. Like, to be without a, I didn't really know how. When I was in Kansas City, there was a lot of people running around with no mask. I was like, yeah, we, don't, we really don't have, I mean, it's it's so, it's so wild. I, I don't even, they've, I've been traumatized, I think, by the COVID-19. <laughs> I've been tra- traumatized. Only thing I haven't gone to is my first concert yet. I'm drinking and talking to y'all. So when y'all hear long pauses, I'm drinking. Y'all know this is a messy show. I'm thinking, Mike, I may want my first show. I haven't decided, though, because here's the deal. You know, I'm, I'm going back to Kansas City next month because I got my two little my two little niece cousins. I tell y'all, did I tell you? I tell you guys about my little niece cousins. They're really my cousins. But they're like my nieces because, you know, I was raised by my grandparents. So I'm kind of like my mama and uncle's sister, little sister. <laughs> it's weird, okay? But they're coming to visit their grandparents and their aunt, Auntie Keisha and their Auntie Lolly. And I'm going to Kansas City to meet them next month, right? And so i got to plan out all this stuff. You know, they not – when I – last time I had them, they were, little, they were little girls. You know, they were like 12 – and A, and Auntie Keisha went, you know, she had activities every fucking day. Because, you know, Auntie Keisha it, it makes it fun, okay? But this time they're like, Auntie Keisha, what are we going to do? I'm like, oh, God, they're grown. I'm scared. I don't know what to do. <laughs> so I'm, having, I'm trying to plan out all these little things for us to do when we're up there that's fun, right? And so, like, you know, I have that trip coming. But I'm trying you know what I'm really trying to do in September? This is what I'm thinking. Maybe it'll be my first concert. I don't know. I'm just talking about it. I'm thinking about, like, going to New York for uh, D-Nice's, uh, uh, what is it, the thing he's having the, uh, damn it, what's the name of the thing? Quarantine thing he's doing live. He's doing club quarantine live. I thought about L.A., but I thought L.A. is going to probably be too much. I thought the New York one would be pretty fun, okay? So I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about that shit. Me and a girlfriend are thinking about that. And I'm like, that may be fun. That may be where I make my first concert. Because <laughs> I, I don't think I've ever gone to a concert. I don't think I've been. I don't think I've been to a concert in over, what was my last concert? Damn it. Was it Maxwell? I think it was. Like this September. No, was it this September? No, no, it was not Maxwell. It was Julian Vaughn. <clears throat> Julian Vaughn had a Christmas thing, and me and some girlfriends went. And it was really good, a Christmas jazz show, okay, in Kansas City. Yeah, it was my last shot concert, I believe. And then I planned, I had planned to go to New York for the, uh, for uh, this, uh, Big 90s concert they had, like, that Maxwell was in, and it was, like, Carl, Carl Thomas, and it was a whole bunch of people. And then for some reason, I was like, ugh, because we, I didn't, I decided not to go because we had plans on going to this, on this uh, cruise, and th- and I kept feeling funny about the cruise, right? I felt funny, but that was because COVID-19 was coming. I was so against the cruise, and it ended up, the cruise ended up being canceled. But the cruise was the reason I didn't go to New York that time, because I remember I said, you know, I'm going to stay because I'm going to cruise. I'd rather, you know, be ready, more prepared for the cruise. 
And it was a good thing that I probably didn't go to New York because New York had all kind of, you know, that's, you know, a lot of the the COVID shit was in New York. And it was probably happening then. Which, in my mind, I think I had, I'm going to tell y'all the truth. I kind of think I had COVID in, like, January because I got so sick in January. I mean, I was sick. Nobody already knew because I was moving around like normal. I was working out. I was doing everything. <clears throat> probably either the reason I didn't get really, really, I thought it was just the flu. The probably I didn't really get really, 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 really sick is because I worked out right through it and I kind of drank lots of liquids and stuff like that. So, yeah, but, yeah, it was a weird year. And so it feels like 2021 is almost leaving. So I'm sort of like, wow, we only got like five months left in this shit. This is crazy. This is wild. It feels like time is moving. And I haven't been to my first concert in like, Literally, it's been almost a year. It's been almost it's been a year. Crazy. <laughs> Y'all like Carlotta, the stuff you find to talk to us about. I know. It's late. We got time. Okay. So when I get back, we're going to talk about, we got so much to talk about. Jay, uh, Jeff Bezos <clears throat> is out here talking work, life, and balance. <clears throat> we're talk about the CDC. Uh, stops tracking COVID-19 and vaccinated people, okay? Uh, we're going to talk about the Richardson young lady who miss, will miss the Olympic 100 and my thoughts on that. We got so much to talk about. I'm going to try to get into the BET Awards, all of that. We got time tonight, baby, okay? Because, you know, I ain't talked to y'all in a while, so y'all got to get ready, okay? So we, we're going to start off the show. Y'all know how like I like to do with a little bit of Music. Let's start off with Bobby because it was verses with Bobby Brown. Let's start off with every little step I take. It's the CC show. I'll be back in a moment, y'all.
see I've been watching you for a while Smiling stuff But I know I can be with you for the night Alright That alright Baby Baby Show it'll, 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 
organically creep up, okay? <laughs> but today I don't have one for you guys, okay? I may read a quote, though, I like later on that I use this week for myself. So maybe I'll read that quote later for It's a Work. Maybe I should read the chef Honey right now for you guys. Maybe I will. Hold on, maybe there is a It's a Work. <laughs> y'all think I'm crazy. I thought y'all think, y'all be like, what is going on with Carlotta? She is kind of wild. Okay, so. Let's see. I do have one, okay? This week, you know, this week I was thinking to myself, it's okay to cheer for yourself. It's okay to like yourself. It's okay, you know, because it took me a long time to really like me. Like, I mean, you know, I've always liked me, but, like, really like me. Like, really, really like me. I'm still learning, though. You know, I'm still learning here and there. But there's this great quote I saw. This week, and I remember I posted it earlier than the week during the week, but it says it's okay to love yourself, it's okay to be your own biggest fan, it's okay to hype yourself up, stop putting yourself last. You're important, okay? So I think that's so good. Like you know, it's okay to be your your cheer. It's okay to be people's cheerleader, but it's also okay to be your own cheerleader from time to time. Sometimes you got to hype your damn self up, okay? <laughs> Like sometimes I'll be looking, hey, when I get dressed, I'll be like, damn, goodness, I got to hype me up. I look great today. <laughs> and sometimes you got to hype yourself up, okay? It's okay to do so, all right? I just want to let y'all know that. So that's y'all, it's a word. Simple as that, okay? I came up with that quick and fast, all right? All right, so Jeff Bezos is out in these streets, okay? Says, work-life balance is a debilitating phrase. He wants Amazon workers to view their career and lives as a circle. Hmm, this should be interesting. According to Yahoo.com, it says Amazon's Jeff Bezos said in 2018 that the term work-life balance is a debilitating phrase, okay? A top piece of advice he offers to staff is not to view the two as a strict trade-off. Instead, he sees his personal and professional pursuits as a circle rather than a balancing act, okay? Amazon founder Jeff Brazos isn't a fan of the phrase work-life balance. At an April 2018 event hosted by Insider's parent company, Bezos said new Amazon employees shouldn't view work and life as a balancing act. Instead, Bezos said that it's more productive to view them as two integrated parts. Hmm. It's actually a circle, Bezos says. It's not a balance. Bezos said his new hire should stop trying to find balance within their work, their professional and personal lives, since that implies a strict trade-off between the two. Instead, Bezos envisions a more holistic relationship between work and life outside the office. The work-life harmony thing is what I try to teach young employees and actually senior executives at Amazon, too, Bezos said but especially the people coming in. I get asked about work-life balance all the time, and my view is that that's a debilitating phrase because it implies there's a strict trade-off. Bezos says he doesn't compartmentalize his career and his personal life. If I'm happy at home, I come into the office with tremendous energy, Bezos said, and if I'm happy at work, I come home with tremendous energy. I can agree with that. Now, the problem is Bezos, and I'm going to say this, Jeff, Amazon has not been a harmonic for a lot of workers. 
have not felt that Amazon has been a harmonious and fair place to work. That's been there's been these rumors out in these streets allegedly that Amazon is not. I mean, all that money Amazon's bringing in, and we be ordering shit from them all day. I mean, they literally have become like the new main retail of our lives, and they treat allegedly poor employees like shit. <laughs> So it's hard to ask workers to think of everything as a fucking circle <laughs> when you don't provide them the uh, energetic, uh, I mean, you don't provide them the energetic environment that they can have allegedly at Amazon, okay? It says the billionaire Amazon founder will have to adjust to a new kind of workflow starting July 5th when he steps down from his role as CEO of the e-commerce giant. He will be replaced by AWS CEO. CEO Andy Jassy and will direct his focus to other endeavors, like being catapulted into space for 11 minutes on July 20th. <clears throat> Historically, the world's richest man has taken a non-traditional approach to work. He said he's made time for breakfast every morning with his family, doesn't set his alarm before going to bed, schedules surprisingly few meetings, and sets aside a few minutes every day to wash his own dishes. <laughs> Rich people be talking some wild shit, don't they? You know, here's the thing. <clears throat> I don't, you know, sometimes I think men like Jeff, you know, and there was probably one time in his life that, you know, he probably knew what it was, but, you know, but you don't realize the average person's everyday life. Uh, they have to have somewhat of a balance. They can't have a circle, Jeff. You know, everybody can't get up and, you know, be making a billion dollars while they sleep, you know. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, it's always hard for billionaires to give that kind of, and then, you know, do I really believe a guy who's getting ready to catapult himself to space for 11 minutes has a work-life balance? I mean, well, is a good life like in a circle? I do believe he probably integrates everything, you know. He probably works a lot. I mean, you know, there's got to be a price to being just Bezos. You know, and what that tremendous price is, I wonder. You know, because some people, you know, hate Amazon, you know and what it represents. So he must take that. Some people love Amazon and what it represents. I mean, it's just a very, he's a very interesting character to me, you know. Uh, and you wonder because you think men like him always, you're giving advice to your employees, but you have the capability to make sure that your employees have the best experience at work. To me, Amazon should be number one on every everybody's work environment list. To me, when employees give you, become part of your organization, this is just me, okay? I understand. I, you know, people said to me the other day, you know, some people have said to me, Carlotta, everybody is not a giver like you. Everybody is not a, and I don't consider myself a giver, but I just feel like, that, you know, that when when people, employees do their best to make you the most profitable company on the planet, the least you can fucking do is make sure that those people that work for you have everything they need so they can kind of make it a circle. And I understand there's always going to be some mofos that complain and shit. This is how life is, okay? But for the most part, Jeff, it should be easy to make a circle because you should have all kinds of stuff that people are begging to work at Amazon. 
So when people give that kind of advice, I'm like, what is your, don't give the, just the advice, what do you do within your work environment that promotes them having a healthy, fun, invigorating work environment? You know, I think Google was real good at this years ago. I talked about this. I think I talked about Oprah, too. But Google was once, Google. I don't know about now, but Google was once the number one company, and they were known to have, like, uh, like a campus. And on that campus, I think, if I can remember, I could be wrong with this, but they had a daycare and all kinds of things. Their employees, people were loving it because, you know, it was a great place to work. And then when you hear these horror stories about other tech companies and stuff, I mean, you know, you always treat your – I don't understand why CEOs don't understand this. You know, they they only think in profit and greed. I understand because you want to get off with cheap labor. You know, capitalism has this undertone since slavery of cheap and free labor, okay? And it really is sad because it's really greed. The thing is, you to me, the best way to get to make your company the best is to always treat your employees well and make them think they have a stake into what you're doing. You don't make them think they have a stake in what you're doing when you don't treat them well. <clears throat> so and I'm not saying that Jeff isn't treating the Amazon employees. I'm just saying that there's been a lot of complaints about Amazon. So it's funny to hear him talk, <laughs> uh, Amazon from Amazon workers or alleged Amazon workers in the past, okay? So it's funny to hear him talk about this uh, this balance, you know, very interesting still yet i i like to hear basically about how do you create create the circle for amazon employees so that they can think of uh, of life and work work has uh personal personal life and work has a circle instead of a balance how does amazon create that energy for them you know because uh most workers spend a lot of their time at work So do you make it easy for them to integrate the two? How do you make that work, right? So I like to hear that, okay? Interesting article, okay? That's on yahoo.com, all right? Uh, The CDC this week stopped tracking most COVID-19 cases, and this is from yahoo.com and via Business Insiders. Uh, Business Insider, uh, CDC stopped tracking most COVID-19 cases in vaccinated people. Now, this is important because it makes it really hard to know how dangerous Delta really is, okay? Because if they've stopped tracking it, then we can't know how dangerous this variant is, okay? Now, it says the CDC has stopped monitoring non-severe COVID-19 cases among vaccinated people in May. It's hard to assess Delta's risk without knowing what mild breakthrough cases look like. Seemingly high, highly effective against the variant, though, okay? It was great news. From January to April, just 0.01% of vaccinated Americans, around 10,000 out of 100 million people, got breakthrough infections or cases of COVID-19 diagnosis after they were fully immunized, Okay. That's according to a report from the Centers of Disease Control and Prevention, which also indicated that certain coronavirus variants were to blame for most of these breakthrough cases. However, the CDC only had had genetic sequencing for around 5% of the 
post-vaccine infections, and the report didn't include data about the Delta variant. The strain first detected in the U.S. in March might pose the greatest challenge to the vaccine efficiency, okay? But before more Delta could be, uh, data could be collected to answer these lingering questions, the CDC stopped tracking breakthrough infections that resulted in asymptomatic mild or moderate cases. Since May 1st, the agency has only reported and investigated coronavirus infections among vaccinated people that resulted in hospitalization or death, okay? Hmm. Sequencing efforts in the U.S. have ramped up much, haven't ramped up much either. The country is still only sequencing about 1.4% of its coronavirus cases, according to data from uh, GISAID, okay, a global database that collects coronavirus uh, genomes, okay? It says that means it's difficult to tell uh, exactly how much of a risk the Delta variant poses to vaccinated people. Researchers still don't know whether Delta makes breakthrough cases more common or what the typical symptoms of breakthrough infection caused by uh, Delta look like. As a result, vaccinated people may have a hard time raising the risk of returning to normal social activities, according to uh, activities or knowing what to expect should they develop a rare breakthrough case. In a recent blog for uh, Harvard Health Publishing, Robert Shermerling, an associate professor of medicine at Harvard Medical School, called the CDC's decision not to track breakthrough cases surprising and disappointing. By tracking only cases requiring hospitalization or causing death, we may miss the chance to learn how people with milder disease are affected by Delta or other variant infections, such as how long their symptoms last and how long the infection may disrupt their lives, Shermerlin told the insider. He added that the U.S. could also miss important information about which vaccines are most effective against Delta, how long vaccine protection against the variants lasts, and whether the timing of a second vaccine dose might determine one's likelihood of a breakthrough case. The CDC told Insider that in a substantial proportion of reported breakthrough cases, data on symptoms, on symptoms is missing, which is one reason why CDC is publicly reporting hospitalized and fatal cases. The agency added that its Emerging Infections Program is still working with nine states to obtain sequencing, sequencing data from breakthrough cases, including asymptomatic and mild ones. So far, Data suggests that vaccines hold up extremely well against Delta. How can they know that when they stop <laughs> when they stop collecting the data? But it says public health England analysis have analysis have found that two doses of Pfizer vaccine are 96% effective at preventing hospitalization in cases involving the variant, and 88% effective at uh, preventing symptomatic illnesses. Two doses of AstraZeneca's vaccine, meanwhile, are around 92% effective at preventing hospitalizations and 60% effective at preventing uh, symptomatic COVID-19, okay, and from Delta. Ma uh, Moderna announced on Tuesday that its vaccine is so highly effective against Delta based on lab studies, uh, though the uh, uh, the efficiency was slightly diminished compared to the original strain. And South African researchers recently found that among uh, 
people who received Johnson & Johnson vaccine, 94% of breakthrough infections were mild, including those caused by Delta. Okay, here's the thing. Why the CDC stopped? See, this is why people are kind of, because there's this push to get everyone vaccinated. And I get that. But the problem is that it's almost as if they don't want to report that they they stop paying attention to cases of people who are fully vaccinated about what about getting this if how the delta affects them do they get it are they still getting it is the is the vaccine effective or not why would you keep stop report stop paying attention to whether the vaccines are effective or not cuz your previous data that was from a while back what is your new data that shows that but you don't you stop tracking it which kind of would tell the average person, that would kind of scare the average person about against getting it because they're like, well, you don't really know if it's effective or not because you stop tracking whether or not vaccinated people, unless they end up in the hospital sick or dead, uh, get these diseases and how it affects them. Okay, this is the kind of thing that makes it hard to trust. This is the thing that CDC and government has to get more efficient on. You have to get more efficient on get, getting that information so that you can make people feel more comfortable with vaccination, more comfortable with things like that. Otherwise, you don't make people feel comfortable because people think, well, if I get a shot and it ain't no fucking good, I still got to worry about the Delta variant. What's the purpose? And it sounds like you're trying to do that. It, it starts to sound like you're trying to hide data. I'm not saying they are, but it sounds like it when you stop taking data on a very important thing. It's almost like you don't want to let people know that, well, against the Delta variant, that shit might not be as effective, even though it was effective during lab studies and different things like that. But the question is, when the real shit's here, is it effective or not, okay? You know, they sound like they think it may be, but since they stopped collecting data, you won't know for sure, Okay. But it says, however, Public Health England found that one shot of either Pfizer's or AstraZeneca's vaccines was just 33% effective at preventing symptomatic COVID-19 from Delta. Israeli health officials also reported last week that as many as half of new COVID-19 cases in Israel are among vaccinated people, with the majority of cases being driven by the Delta variant. However... Vaccinated people in Israel appear to develop milder cases than unvaccinated people. So there are people that they are testing it in some parts of the world. Shimmerin said that finding out which variants are responsible for most breakthrough cases, whether it's Delta or another strain, could help vaccine manufacturers learn whether they need to modify their current shots or roll out boosters more quickly, okay? It's possible that tracking the severe, uh, that severe the severe cases will give us information about which variants are responsible for most breakthrough infections, okay? This is a very interesting thing. COVID-19, and now we have different variants out here, is just such an interesting thing. And I, 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 I'm not sure what we know about it. What, there are so many influences, and I have said this, and this is what makes it hard for people to trust government, to trust um, their medical people and everything like that because there have become 
so many more influences. I mean, they were, they, they, they've always been these shadow influences over medicine and health and everything. But today it's become even more almost more uh, scary because you have these shadow groups controlling these things. And it's so hard to trust because people – People don't know what they should get and what they shouldn't get. People don't know if they should. It's such and I don't think that government doesn't understand how much that they have affected people's uh, mistrust of all these situations, vaccinations, non-vaccinating, all of these things, okay? And then they get mad at people and try to, uh, this, uh, um, shame people who don't get vaccinated because uh, 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 try to shame people when there are so many people out here that just don't trust you because you haven't a good haven't done an effective or a good job of making people feel safe and that you're advocating for the people's needs and not to put in more governmental factors, more governmental controls. It's, it's, it's a very interesting thing, very scary thing, but we'll keep uh, reading up on uh, this in the future, okay? But I thought it was interesting, all right? All right, so let's talk about Richardson, okay? Um, just a couple of weeks ago, everybody was celebrating. <laughs> Uh, this is uh, from uh, the Associated Press. It said Richardson will miss Olympic 100 after marijuana test. Uh, it says American champion Shai Sha- Shakiri, is that her name? Shakiri Richardson cannot run in the Olympic 100-meter race, race after testing positive for a chemical found in marijuana. Richardson, who won the 100 Olympic trials in .86 seconds on June 19, spoke of her ban. Friday on the Today Show, she tested positive at the Olympic trials, and so her result is erased. Fourth-place finisher Jenny Perdini is expected to get Richardson's spot in the 100, okay? Richardson accepted a 30-day suspension that ends July 27th, which would be in time to run in the women's relays. U.S. track and field has not disclosed plans for the relay, Okay. The 21-year-old sprinter was expected to face Jamaican Shelley and Fraser Price in one of the most highly anticipated races of the Olympic track meet. On Thursday, as reports swirled about her possible marijuana use, Richardson put out a tweet that said simply, I am human. On Friday, she went on TV and said she smoked marijuana as a way of coping with her mother's recent death. I was definitely triggered and blinded by emotion. Blinded by badness and hurting and hiding hurt, she told NBC. I know I can't hide myself, so in some type of way I was trying to hide my pain. Richardson had uh, what could have been a three-month sanction reduced to one month because she participated in a counseling program. As the London Olympics International Regulators relaxed the threshold for what constitutes a positive test for marijuana, from 15 nanograms per millimeter to 150 uh, ng millimeter, I don't know what that is. They, they explained the new threshold was an attempt to ensure that in competition use is detected and not used during the days and weeks before competition. So there have been a range of uh, debates about whether marijuana should be considered a performance-enhancing drug. 
The U.S. Anti-Doping Agency makes clear on its website that all synthetic and natural occurring cannab- uh, cannabinoids, is that right? Cannabinoids are, are uh, prohibited in competition except for uh, CBD, a byproduct of being explored for a possible medical benefit. Um, you know, this this case, this situation really had me thinking this weekend. It took on more of a of a, a conversation in my head about us as Black Americans because. I understand, listen, I understand that black America has a lot, especially when we're talking about traditional black America, lots of pain, lots of things that uh, that is distinct to our group and our story here in America. Um And while I empathize with the young lady losing her mother, and I know people who have lost their mother and, you know, they they say, hey, that's the greatest pain ever. While I can empathize with that, and uh, I cannot condone what she did. And I know, listen, black people, I see us all condoning. I see us all giving excuses. All saying, well, you know, marijuana ain't no performance enhancing drugs, but you know, you know, we just giving everybody excuses. But the truth of the matter is, could we put down the joint enough to pass the fucking test? That's all. I understand what she's saying. I understand she's in pain. I'm sure there's a lot of athletes that's going to be competing in the Olympics that's dealing with some painful shit. And this is not to diminish her pain of losing her mother. But I'm sure there are other people dealing with painful shit, but they understood the rules. They understood the fucking, what's that news thing saying now? They understood the fucking assignment. And the assignment was, don't use no fucking drugs. Like, there is no excuse. I understand. I understand. I can't condone it. They have fucking rules. It's just like when they we did this a few weeks ago with Osaka. The rules are those people's rules, and black people they get you every time. And black people say, "Well, we allowed to feel human." No, you almost allowed to. You have to do things differently. You know that they looking for any way to eliminate your ass out the race. Yes, you do. You know they want to eliminate you as black people. After you know, so you know you got to come in there observing every fucking room. I remember Chris Rock used to have this joke. He was talking about. It's, uh, I mean, he he was ta- he's joking in one of his comedy things. He said the Kennedys were known to allegedly have made their money off of boot uh, bootlegging uh, bootleg lick back in the day with liquor and uh, illegal liquor. He said they were the uh, you know. Uh, they were like the big-time criminals, allegedly, of their day. But black people, let some black people, black person or brown person, but specifically black people, try to do that shit. 
<laughs> okay? You can't make money off of it. You got to be good. You can't do nothing bad, okay? Um, and in some senses, it keeps our standards up. Racism, in some senses, I hate to say it, racism, because of racism, unfortunately, the inequalities that happen in America and everything, it, it back in the day, what it was used to, our grandparents and our parents used to tell us, you got to be double, you got to be better than them. Now we, we look to be like them. Well, why we can't do what they do? But it's actually that we have to be better than them. We can't we can't afford to have a mark. You just can't. If you know you're going in there, you can't afford to break the rules. There's no you just can't. Because you black and you American. And the target's on you. And so you can't why every if everybody else is breaking the rules around you, you got to be you got to make you sure that you double the best. You the you the but you the best of the best. It doesn't mean that you can't be human. Being human, you can make a mistake. And you know what? I'm I hate that you made that mistake. And it doesn't mean you can't have a second chance. Hopefully you you'll get another chance to run the hundred of uh, the hundred, but you just won't get it this time. Maybe you will. Maybe some miracle will happen, but you won't because you broke the rules. Maybe next time you will remember that the rules are important and they are there. And black people, we got to quit making excuses for shit. This is a waste of energy. It's a waste of energy to be up here talking about she broke the fucking rule, a simple motherfucking rule, which is put down the motherfucking joint for at least a month till we get this damn uh, 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 thing. And if you, I'm, 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 I don't want to sound... I don't want to sound like I'm not being, I'm lacking empathy because I under, I, I, I feel her, I, I don't feel her pain, but I understand what she, what I, you know, I can imagine, I can't even imagine, okay? However, if we that distraught, maybe we should take out, hey, I, my mind ain't up for this. I ain't ready for this. I just lost somebody very important to me, and I need to take some fucking time off. Because I don't want to embarrass my people. I don't want to embarrass my mama's legacy. I don't want to embarrass nothing. And I know how I'm feeling right now. And maybe I shouldn't be called to be superhuman right now. Maybe I just need to fucking mourn and this ain't. And I, but if you got to pick up a joint to get through, because see, let me just say this about drugs, okay? And I know it's, it's, a, it's a thing with black people now to just, we just okay shit. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I mean, and it's a lot of people who just okay, you know, we say we take away pain, but when you stop with that marijuana down, you still feel the same way. After the high go down, the same shit is there to meet you. And I understand people get high, everybody drink a little bit to get the, take the edge off and stuff like that, but we got to understand that, that that just disrupts it for a moment. And I'm sorry this happened to her. I hate it, but I can't say that I can't make it because she's black. I can't start getting on here and giving a full-ass speech like a lot of black people have been doing. Talking about they just don't want us in there. If you know they don't want you in there, why are you going to do something to make it so easy for them to get you? The assignment was stay the fuck off of drugs. 
for at least until this testing is over. And sis didn't do it. No matter what she was going through in her personal life and things like that, she did not do it. And I'm sad for her because, you know, we were so proud of her moment. But this is a lesson. And it's a lesson for all of us, too, that, you know, when you're in the thick of it, you got to understand where you at mentally and spiritually. I mean, you know how many mistakes I made? And I'm like, damn it, I should have did that. But you got to take responsibility. And black people, we got to take, we got to say, you know what, yeah, you know what, listen. This is a proud moment for us. And it's not that we can't forgive her. We all can understand pain. We can all understand what is this and that. And, sis, we forgive you, whatever the situation is. But, sis, hey, ain't got to be no long dissertation about race and, and, and America and all that stuff. It's simple, sis, next time you know not to fuck with a joint before your tests come up. Because I'm sure they was constantly reminding her the drug test is coming. It's the fucking Olympics. And that's all I got to say on that. I know y'all probably going to disagree with me. It's okay. It's okay. We all can have disagreements. And still respect each other, okay? Black Twitter defends Flojo after Karen. I don't know why y'all. Can I stop for a minute? Well, no, let me read the whole thing. After a Karen falsely claims she died from drug abuse, okay? According to NewsOne.com. Let me just stop something right here, okay? I don't know who came up with it. I always feel like somebody in black America created that Karen meme who probably... I always wondering, like, do they do, do they understand that? I, I mean, I grew up in the Midwest as a black girl, and there was a lot of black Sharons and a lot of black Karens. So I don't understand who picked the name Karen for white women to represent. A most matter of fact, most of the people I knew who was a Karen or a Sharon was black, even though they're Sharon and Karen white ones. But most Karen and Sharons, I, I knew Karens and Sharons, and they were black. I never understood why they didn't pick Kathy. Because there's not a lot of black Cassies or Betty Sue or Peggy Sue or something like that. This is, those are names that Betty, well, a lot of black people use Betty. But Peggy, a uh, 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 Cassie, uh, 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 you know what I'm saying? It's a, a, a lot of uh, white names y'all could have picked. Karen, a lot of black people use was named Karen. This is my the thought that's been running around in my mind for a while. But it says, uh, um, somehow, some way there's always somebody bothered, they come about bother Karen, ready to risk it all and make themselves a shining example of what not to do. On Friday evening in the midst of a controversy stemming from Shakiri Richardson's month long suspension for the Tokyo Games after testing positive for marijuana. Claire Lehman, an Australian journalist and founding editor of Quillette magazine, decided to log on to Beyonce's internet. Beyonce's internet? This is some Beyonce fan over, this is not Beyonce, oh Lord. And few lies, falsehoods, and fallacies over what she is, believes is a legal, legitimate campaign to end doping among athletes. Okay, this is from news1.com. Not sure whether the nails are real or fake, but in case you didn't know, very strong nails and hair can be a side effect of steroid use. Okay, the girl, bye. 
Not uh, <laughs> not ending the embarrassment there, she dragged the woman that Richardson is often compared to, Florence Griffin Jr., also known as Flojo, into her mess. Lehman's argument is based on claims made against Flojo that followed her through her career in an attempt to delegitimize her athletic prowess. Look, people in track now who is and who isn't on the roids. Just because they couldn't ping her on it doesn't mean they don't know, Lehman wrote in the next tweet. Flojo, obvious drug abuser, had the nails. She died in her sleep at age 38 because of what a lifetime of drug use does to the body and why it's supposed to be banned from elite sports, she continued. Where, while there isn't much to unpack here, it's not Lehman's first time tweeting views based on racist notions. Her outlet prides itself on being the voice of the intellectual dark red. To begin to unpack the layers of craft, it's most important to set the record straight on Lehman's false accusation. Flojo died in 1998 at the age of 38 after suffocating from an epileptic seizure. The condition was congenital, uh, uh, which means it was present at birth. The seizure was caused by uh, an abnormality of blood vessels in her brain called cavernous agnoma, said Dr. Richard Fukumoto, the chief forensic pathologist for the Orange County, California coroner's office, read a 1998 report from the New York Times which reported on the Olympian's untimely death. Toxicology tests showed that Griffin Jr., 38, had taken a tablet of painkiller Tylenol and Benadryl, but tests for evidence of alcohol, recreational drugs, and performance-enhancing drugs were negative. Authorities said at a news conference in Santa Ana, California, the report continues. Okay, the thing is, white lady, is you are completely off base. That's why when I first heard her today, I was like, Who, what the fuck? Sojo didn't die of drug use. What, is she, what the fuck is she talking about? You always got some haters now. This, that's, this, is, this, is, this, is, this is typical gaslighting of white supremacist society. You know, and I have learned to be quite comfortable with the gaslighting of white supremacy. You know, the best thing black people is not to respond to it. Just to put up the nice little uh, 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 toxicology report and leave you be. This is what they love to do because they know that black people get so fucking emotional, they'll start, wait a minute, because you already got some uh, emotional about Shakiri when you shouldn't have because Shakiri made a fucking mistake. And she did it, and she made, she needs to take responsibility for it. Ain't nothing, shit, ain't nothing to argue. We'd love to see her in it, but shit, it ain't nothing you can argue. You wouldn't, And it's something so simple. It's like put down a fucking joint. I can't argue that. I can't argue with nobody can't put down a joint for three to four weeks. I can't. I know she had pain, but I can't argue with the people when that's the rules. The Olympics is a motherfucking big deal. It's a huge-ass deal in somebody's life, okay? But so is losing your mom. And so if you needed that time off, you should have took that and not went for the – and then you could have had the marijuana in peace and got through your pain and came back when you were ready. See, and that's one thing we got to teach children mental like, – like like Naomi Osaka. I'm proud of her. She, un, she didn't sit and argue about it. She was getting ready to. But somebody said, no, nah, you need to go sit and pull the fuck out. You don't need to be t- trying to change the rules. To bend you, you to bend to you, you need to pull out and get your mind right, because the world don't surround around you. So she she did the she did a beautiful thing. She got she set out and said, "Hey, 
I got to get my mind right so I can come back better. And sometimes you have to do that. They teach, you know, sometimes they teach you to go on for yourself, go on for your family, go on. But sometimes you need to sit down. Sometimes you need to Everybody don't mourn the same way. Everybody don't um, deal with anxiety the same way. So sometimes you need to deal with it in the, sometimes the best way to deal with it is take time off. Oh, you only got the Olympics once. You only got this and that. But you lost your family. And sometimes, some people can work right through it. That's they, that's how they mourn. But some people can't. Some people need to take that moment and say, nah, you know, I know this is a once-in-a-lifetime thing, but this also is a once-in-a-lifetime, and I need to, to deal with it in a, in, my, in a very different way. So, but we use a lot of energy trying to uh, make excuses. They trying to give back, and we end up using all that energy up for a lot of nothing. And now you got now. See, they know we, we used a lot of energy. So now you got some idiot from Australia talking about Flojo died from uh, performing Hanson drug. Uh, I mean, from drugs on the body when she all wrong. Ain't nothing to argue with her ass around. Quit wasting your time. She's gaslighting. She know that ain't true. She just want to put some shit out there to get you all emotion, emotional and arguing with her ass on Twitter. After you done already argued uh, about Shakiri, when you shouldn't have been arguing about Shakiri, Shakiri Richardson. When Shakiri, she, Shakiri just made a bad decision, okay? And while we feel, we feel sad for her, it is what it is, okay? <sighs> I hope I made sense with my thought about that tonight. But you can't pay, pay no attention to this gaslighting white woman who probably ain't got nothing to do. Okay? She did that on purpose. And I think right now she still has this, she has the tweet up, like pinned, like she's defiant. That's because she's trying to gaslight people and get people all upset. It's just funny. Crazy, Okay. So, uh, yeah, nutty, nutty dot top. All right, so when I get back, what I want to discuss, what, did I get everything right for this section? Okay, we got to talk about the, um, no, let's go ahead and talk about the BET Awards. Should we do this right now? The BET? Yes, okay. What little I have seen of the BET. <laughs> I didn't watch it all the way through. Okay. Oh Lord. I didn't watch the BET Awards all the way through. Don't be hate. Don't be mad at me. Please don't. Let me explain myself. Uh, you know the BET Awards. BET Awards for me has been quite tragic. I mean, most of the time they've had a couple of good ones every now and then. You know, the erasure of traditional black American culture, I can see it all in the BET Awards. And there is this attempt to globalize blackness. I even see it on Essence. I was watching the Essence uh, Fest this week, and it's, there's this this idea to... Um, Globalize uh, American blackness. 
not blackness, because we all, blackness is global, because there's black people of different descents and lineages all across the world. But there's a particular effort in America to globalize black Americanness, traditional black Americanness. And meaning that, and this isn't a, and I want people to understand that when I talk about this, some people think I'm trying to be a, uh, um, and me and you know me and my one of my best girlfriends is from the West Indies. Okay, me and her had the discussion this week, and she totally got what I was saying. There is this attempt to to erase what has traditionally been the lineage of Native black Americans who have been on the soil for several generations. And there is this attempt to globalize what it means to be a black Native American and to erase the experience of black Native Americans' culture and lineage. And to mix that up as one big old soup. When we not all a soup, you know, it was one of the things I saw the BET Awards that interests me. Let me pull it up on Twitter. Let me pull it up. And I was laughing. I said some people were kind of getting upset about this. And I saw this. Um, let me put it. Let me pull it up here. Uh, it's the same guy. Forget the guy's name. A rapper. He won some international. Uh, pop some international rap award. Let me pull this up here if I can find it. But he came up and he tried to play on the intelligence to me of Black America. I mean, there's this idea that you're trying to always teach us something, like about the motherland, as if the motherland is one big country when it's a continent. Like you know, always trying to play on our intelligence, <laughs> right? And so this. Guy, uh, let me see. I'll, I'll play what uh, what he said. Okay, let me pull it up. Uh, it's from um, I think it's a rapper burner or something like that. But this is what he said when he got up to collect his award, burner boy. Okay, from his award. But check this out. What he said. I'm going to teach you guys a little bit about where you're all really from, yeah? Now, when I say, when I did here, when I say, you say, we did. When I did here, when I did here, that means, are you there? You are here. Thank you very much. Shama. Okay, he came up there as not thanking nobody for his award, but just assuming he needed to teach us something about where we are from. Now, he's down in Nigeria, okay? Now, Native Black America, most of us, may, we they say that most of Native Black America, they're not for sure, because, you know, a lot of that, our, our history is being erased unless they do some sort of DNA test on you or something like that. But a lot of, they suspect that a lot of, uh, a black American, Native black Americans are from the Ghana or, you know, the, the, uh, the Ghana, side, Ghana in Africa, okay, that uh, West, uh, West Africa or something like that. They, they don't, but they say it could be other places, but that's traditionally where most people think that the slaves came from our ancestors, okay? 
Now, he comes up and saying, I'm going to teach y'all something about where you all came from. What the fuck? We, I don't know where we came from. You don't know where we came from. If Africa's full of people, what you teaching us, some Nigerian, you mean? Because it's over 59 countries in Africa. What the fuck you teaching us about where we come? Where we, wh- how do you know where we come? That's not, see, this, see how they, he came over, he's trying to sell us off that Africa is one big country. Like, cause he playing on your health. He's trying to, like, he trying to come teach you. Like, he trying to talk with them. See, and this, we have Black America. We've done this because our, our, our little bit of our low self esteem about trying to search ourselves out in this Africa thing and trying to make this Pan African ideal. And I don't like Pan Africanists. I'm some friend. I'm friends with some Pan Africanists. One of my, uh, one of the girls who comes on here, she's a Pan Africanist. Uh, I have this guy I want to get on, which eventually I'm going to try to get on. He's a Pan-Africanist. But I think Pan-Africanist is pretty much, a, you know, not a real thing in today. I, that's just my personal thing. We we like it. It's an imaginary thing. But all of Africa itself ain't even Pan-Africa, okay? So we have all several, we have several different countries, several different thoughts, Patterns, several different uh, ways of being, lineages and stuff like that. And when we get to America, suddenly we're all African. When that's not how you are over in Africa. So it's, you know, it's this kind of energy that's starting to show up. Like, you know, that even I saw that instance. And I don't mind, listen, I don't mind black people adopting in uh, other uh, black cultures, you know, learning from other. I told you all the time. I I like to learn learn about other black cultures, but not at the expense of my own lineage. And not for people for people this uh, um, kind of like um, there is a sense of kind of. And I don't know how to say it, explain it. It's almost like dissing black America because black America wants to adopt its lineage. We want to say, hey, we are, you got some black people who are saying we're ADOS, we're American descendants of slaves, and that makes us different. When you get people get mad at us who are different things, I'm like, y'all being separate, but you got your Haitian flag or you got your uh, Ghana, uh, uh, West Africa, you got your Nigerian flag up, you got your, uh, 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 different flags up from the different countries you came up, your Puerto Rican flag, whatever the fuck. Why can't we embrace our lineage? Because a lot of times these groups, subcultures of black people, sometimes will come to America, and the only thing they see us as, not all of them, but a lot of some, a lot of them will be just as racist as white people, and they will see us as ways to navigate their way through the American maze of, of culture and capitalism and sometimes use us in terms of advancement and use us in terms of, how can I say this, use us in terms of um, to mask themselves behind and to sell themselves as a commodity in our community. And I don't have no problem, you know, listen, the thing is, give some respect to the people. I, it's the constant disrespect of black America that I don't like. 
I can't stand that. I respect other groups. Respect our respect us. You've been through a lot of shit. Respect us. You know, and I saw this the other day. Particular, I won't say a particular entertainer. <laughs> I mean, just being dismissive. I mean, it was almost like being dismissive of that black people are we're different lineages that we're different. Uh, it's almost as if that affects them if we claim our lineage. It doesn't mean we dislike you if we claim our lineage and love our lineage and love who we are, who we are in America. But you, it's just like with Essence. I understand, like, Essence is uh, a, 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 many people all around the world love Essence magazine. But the reason why people love Essence magazine is the host of the magazine. The magazine used to be about black American women and their experience in America. And that, uh, and that went global. People, black women from all around the world begin to relate to black American hood girls, urban girls making their way in America, look up to us, okay? And and the things that we would, little things that we would take from other cultures around the world too and make it fly. But nobody wants to give black American women that love. Now it's globalized everything. Now it's ignore the women who made the magazine and make blackness, a one type of global experience that, that we don't all have separate lineages and different things. I mean, it's kind of crazy to me. And I frankly don't like it. I like the EBT's going that way, too. BT became huge because Bob Johnson so the black American, the black Native American experience to the world. And people around the world admired our fucking experience. And our experience came from a price. Now, I know the story of hip-hop. Hip-hop, uh, other, other people have contributed to hip-hop, but hip-hop is a Native black American Experience because hip hop, black people been rap have been rapping before the fifties. Okay, you can look that up. I ain't got time to argue. The thing is, is that our experience—it was a price to the BET selling our our energy, our images, what we were doing in our neighborhoods, what we were doing as young people, and everything going up in America in our in this. In this in this situation, to now globalize it and try to erase the people who built the castle is crazy. It doesn't mean we don't welcome other people in. It just means don't forget who built the fucking house. Have some fucking respect. If you come to my house to stay... You gotta have some respect. You in my house. This is this is my house. Hey, I have respect for the host. And it's sort of like now these the BT everything everything is about globalizing the black native black American experience, packaging it up, globalizing it, 
and letting everybody kind of eat off of it and not recognizing the price that was paid for that energy that created a BET, the price that was paid for that energy that created an Essence magazine. That's, that comes from a heavy price in American culture. Black people went through a lot to deliver the world something. Black American, Native Black American went through a lot to deliver the world something beautiful. And to come in and disrespect us as if we don't have nothing to globalize it and make it like we all the same. No, we not. And you've made it clear that we not. Other black groups have made it clear that we not. And we agree. Not that we think we better, but we understand our our gift to the world and who we are and we got to. And, um, you know, that's why I haven't just been inter- that interested into stuff like the BET Awards because I see that happening. I see this constant eraser that in order to embrace other cultures, you have to erase black America. You have to erase native black America. You have to uh, uh and, and and not see black and not talk about black America's value, native black America's value has a separate thing. I mean, you can totally it's just I I'm, I just can't, you know. So I'm not that ex- I'm not that impressed with the BET awards. But what I did see, I did enjoy Jasmine Sullivan's performance. I thought Jasmine Sullivan was really good. Um you know, and there's something else I discovered when watching the BET Awards. I was thinking about Beyonce. You know, I was like, man, 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 Beyonce was kind of the the precipice for, like, hotels. Was it, was it the same the album from Jasmine Sullivan? Because Lemonade was like that, the the the, the knockoff confessions, usher confessions for a woman, right? And so, yeah, it kind of made me think about that, you know. But, I, yeah, I, I enjoy watching her performance. Um, what other performance did I like? I liked her. I hear y'all talking about her being an industry plant. I saw that on Twitter. <laughs> Let me just say, <laughs> super Alicia Keys is what I call her. Listen, I'm, I'll, I'll say this. I don't think she's an industry plant. What I think she is is um, she's been around the industry for quite some time. She's been performing since she was a kid. She, I mean, she's been – she uh, is uh, being – and I don't want to diss her talent because I like her. I think she's really good, okay? And I understand favor ain't fair. That's the one thing I understand. Sometimes it's just your time, it's just your time, okay? But you can tell there's a lot of money being put behind her. There is. I listened today. I was listening to my thing on Apple. I'm going to tell you the truth, and this ain't no diss to her. Yeah, it's kind of, it may be kind of somebody ain't say it's a diss. I don't know. I really like her. I'm not dissing her. But I heard ten girls, ten girls on my Apple thing that nobody probably has ever heard of that was far better than any of this shit that I'm hearing right now on the radio. She has, if she had these ten women playing back-to-back on the radio, like she would probably have a lot of comp right now. She ain't got no cop because they play a lot of bullshit on the radio. Like everybody trying to be uh, literally Janae, Iko, and, and Jasmine Sullivan. But there's like some great female artists out there. I mean, 
really good artists that don't get the push that these that some of these people are getting. I mean, it just is what it like. You know, here's my problem. In the '90s, you had certain artists being pushed. Let's 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 talk about. It, okay, I mean, of course, I've talked about it on here before. I mean, you had to. You got to know there was probably for for every Maxwell and D'Angelo. Okay, Maxwell and D'Angelo. I could probably find five dudes in my hood that could sing better than Maxwell and D'Angelo put together. Okay, serious. I'm serious. But here's the thing. Maxwell and D'Angelo had the, shit, the, the guts to do what they need to do. And not only that, sometimes it's just not about that. It's, there's a number of things that work to push an artist. But the one thing I can pre- appreciate about the, about the last great music generation, which I think was the 90s, was that Maxwell deserved a push. D'Angelo deserved the push. Some of these motherfuckers don't deserve a push. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm hearing a lot of pushing of a lot of lack of talent. I mean, to, I mean, since early, late 90s, we've been pushing people who just don't fucking have talent. It's, 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 there's this thing to push. I mean, you know, Michael Jackson was extremely pushed. But Michael Jackson had the fucking talent. Like, Sade was pushed in an odd, sort of mysterious way. I mean, you know, it's like, it's a different when we're pushing talented people. The problem with today is that we push a bunch of non-talented mofos. It's a whole bunch of y'all out there. It's just all on the radio saturating up the airwaves with nonsense. And I I heard today, literally, I was listening to the thing, I was like, damn, there's so many good-ass people out here that just ain't getting a shot. Like, that, like, I mean, I'm sure there were good people in the 90s that wasn't getting a shot, but damn it, there were so many good people on the radio. I mean, you know, you literally was like, you know, you, you, if you was going to put your money behind a D'Angelo, damn it, D'Angelo, you got to be like, damn, yeah, he's shit. He, put, he, he deserved that. He's a shit. I don't know. I just can't say. I, I have to say that I, there is a disappointment in uh, in the in the musical thing, but you know, and BET Awards reflects that. I think every year. Um, what else about the BET Awards that I saw? Uh, okay, y'all talked about Little Nas X kissing the man. I saw that, and a lot of people were upset. Little Nas X is doing old Madonna shit. I'm not impressed, but y'all are. Y'all so impressed. I think you can't give him attention. Like he said, I think he put a tweet out allegedly where he was saying the next time he's just going to fuck somebody else. I said, I wouldn't be surprised because, you know, your game is to be provocative. His game is for y'all to stop inviting him to doing Old Town Road. He don't want to do that shit no more, okay? He, I don't know how much more he got to show y'all that he don't want to do Old Town Road no more. <laughs> and he going to keep being more and more provocative until y'all forget about that damn song. <laughs> Some people got to have gimmicks. Shit, I understand. I ain't mad at him. 
It's old Madonna shit, though. Madonna, you remember Madonna had Kiss Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera? Was it Christina Aguilera on stage years ago? And it was, everyone said, oh, my God, the MTV Awards is turning in the blah, blah, blah. It's the MTV Awards shit, okay? It's supposed to be a hot-ass mess, okay? It's supposed to be provocative and different. Same thing with the BET Awards. The BET Awards is like the new fucking MTV Awards, okay? It's supposed to be provocative and Biscay and all that, okay? I don't know what else. I'm trying to think about what else about the BET Awards that I like. Uh, I don't know. I don't have anything else. And I'm gonna think of some things. I, you know, I, I some people won some stuff, and Meg The Stallion was there. Cardi B showed that she's pregnant by Offset again, a second baby. I hope it all works out. He seemed like he's calmed down, you know, on these streets. Okay, you know. Uh, congratulations to them. Uh, what else? Uh, yeah. We're going to go on break, and I'm going to try to figure out if there's any more things I want to say about the BET Awards. But when I come back from break, we're going to talk about Britney Spears' conservative shit. We're going to, try, we're going to also talk about how Miss Tina tries to show y'all Beyonce can't sing. <laughs> Trick Daddy hurt people's feelings last week, didn't he? A couple of weeks ago. It was a couple of weeks ago. Trick Daddy was hurting feelings out here in these streets, okay? And we're going to talk about Nick Cannon is coming to daytime. And why I think it could be a mistake. I think they should put Nick on at night, okay? But we're going to talk about that and a whole lot more when I get back from break. Meanwhile, we'll listen to one of my favorite girl groups, Mary Jane Girls, all night long. It's the Carlotta Chatwood Show. I'm Carlotta, late night edition, hot topics, y'all. I'll be back in a moment. Hey boy, would you meet me on the roof tonight? I got a surprise for you.
Because she used to love Ruben, and because you know American Idol and everything, and I I remember seeing his band and realizing like, oh my God, you know, he's got because he had done. I think he brought his band from his childhood buddies and stuff like that, but they were good. But man, I remember seeing Kim opened up for him and Kim whooped ass. Okay, but I remember saying to myself that you know he's he. He needs a big orchestra like thing like like a Luther. He 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 really. I don't think he understood that he was like a Luther at the time. I really don't really not because he was big, but Ruben can sing. Ruben can sing his ass off. Like he can sing gospel, you know, rock or whatever. And I just think he just had the wrong material. But I do love that album, that Make You Feel Beautiful album. But I think they didn't understand where Ruben needed to go as a solo artist. Like I I feel like that. What was that song he had, 2004 song back in the day? I hated that song. I was like, no, no. I never felt that was like Ruben-esque. Like he needed that song. I think he, I think he, they needed to kind of help not, not be Luther, but mimic Luther a little bit. He needed to learn from that Luther energy. And I think by the time they really discovered what it was, it, was, it, it didn't go over well. So, yeah. And yet I hate that. Okay, I'm having some feedback, you guys. So hold on here. I don't know if you guys are hearing it. Let's see. I think I'm having a little bit of feedback. Okay, you guys, I may take another break real quick, and I'm going to try to get this feedback fixed. And, oh, did it work? I think I got it fixed. No, I didn't. Okay, so I'm gonna take a break and come back and try to have the feedback fixed on the the sound that you guys are hearing. I don't know if you guys are hearing it, but I'm hearing the back backtracking in my ears. So when I'm gonna when I come back, uh, hopefully I'll take you. Know, this is always the mess on the CC. So okay, y'all. So let's listen to uh, while we're taking this break. Uh, let me see who I can put y'all put on for y'all. You listen to Joe, all the things that man won't do. It's the CC show. I'm taking a real quick break, real quick, get this feedback together, and I'll be back. <laughs> hey, love. You said you need someone to be there for you, to love you all night long. It's kind of funny, but I don't think you have to look no further. 
we'll work with it, okay? So, you guys, we, I'm top back, and we're going to talk about uh, Britney Spears conservatorship. Um, let me just start off here. Says, um, let me see if I'm, I'm trying to see if I'm getting my sound right. Hold on here. Hopefully y'all can hear me. Okay. It says, this is from Verity Magazine. It says, Britney Spears' blistering statement against conservatorship uh, leads L.A. Courts, uh, uh, courts to end remote audio broadcast. Okay. This is a, uh, according to VerityMagazine.com. It says, after recordings of the uh, of the remote audio from Britney Spears' blistering 24-minute statement during her June 23rd conservatorship hearing began circulating widely over the web, Los Angeles courts have decided to end their remote audio attendance program completely, despite warnings on the webpage of the audio broadcast, which was open only to involved parties in the media. And from Judge Brenda Penny, recordings were readily available just minutes after her statement was broadcast. Penny shut down the remote audio shortly after Spears had made her statement. No recordings of court hearings are allowed without written advance permission from any judge according to the state and local uh, policy. The 2019 California Rules of Court read, any violation of this rule or an order under this rule is unlawful interference with the proceedings of the court and may be the basis for ordering order for an order terminating media coverage or a citation for contempt of court, an order imposing monetary or other sanctions. Um, it says on Thursday, I'm trying to uh, get this. Okay, on Thursday, Bessemer Trust, a professional wealth management firm that was poised to take over as co-conservative with Britney Spears' estate and work with her father, asked to resign from the arrangement. The company, which manages more than $100 billion in assets, said it was requesting to withdraw due to the change in circumstances. In the filing, the firm said it had been told the singer's conservatorship was voluntary and under her consent. But in a blistering 24-minute statement against the conservatorship in court last week, made clear that she is opposed to it, or at least her father, Jamie Spears, continuing as her conservator. She has multiple said multiple times that he wants uh, she that uh, multiple times that she wants him removed from her conservator. Her most recent request was predated last week. So now you know she was saying she can't have babies. That she can't this conservatorship. Uh, is against her doing a lot of things. I'm going to tell y'all the truth about my thought on Britney Spears, okay? I have not seen the documentary or nothing like that, but I do remember when her ass was cracking up on interviews and everything like that. And here's my truth. Uh, I think her dad, it can be a couple of ways. You know, her. a lot of times these parents who are showbiz parents, Sometimes, you know, sometimes they don't know how to draw the line sometimes between being parents and protect, you know, and the business. So the whole thing is, is that I think the father means well. I think he probably wants to take care of his daughter. He saw that she was cracking up a few years ago. He probably saw the vultures circling because in Hollywood, the vultures will circle. And he probably knows things about Britney Spears that nobody knows. He probably knows what, what really went the fuck on a few years ago. And uh, according with her mental illness and everything, and he probably knows that the vultures are still in wait. Okay, because a lot of uh, – I even think the free Britney Spears, the fans, the way the fans are perceiving 
uh, wanting her to have her own things, you're not seeing, I don't still think the, they're seeing the vultures and the vulnerability surrounding Britney Spears. Think a la Michael Jackson. Okay. Uh, here's what I say. You can't tell no grown-ass folks what to do. Okay. Uh, uh, grown-ass people, uh, crazy, uh, mentally ill, or whatever the fuck they are, you cannot tell them what to do, even if it's for their own good. And, you know, I've heard of people who have a conservatorship over people. I remember hearing this a pat, preacher or minister one time having a conservatorship over one of their family members. And they were talking about how, because they were just off of drugs and everything, and they didn't want them to harm themselves. But eventually they had to give that give that up because, you know, the people were demanding that they, they kept thinking they were mistreating them or doing them wrong or something because they they had certain rules to protect them in place. And so they eventually that people had to get they had to give it up, and it ended up being this particular relative died. That for afterwards from I think I believe drug abuse. The thing about Britney Spears is I, I here's a personal thing my personal opinion I don't think Britney is well probably I think she's doing better but I don't think she's well I think that I don't think that over the years that sometimes she's made good calls in her life but that's the part of being an adult. Part of being an adult is making your own bad fucking decisions, okay? Now, understand that them fucking decisions to lead you down the road to some bad shit, okay? And so if that's the road she want to go down, I'm not saying it's gonna, it could turn out great, but it could turn out really bad. So uh, if I'm her daddy, I'm stepping away. I'm going to quit fighting. I ain't going to argue with her ass. I ain't doing none of that. Give her her money. Some bullshit. You just... Dragging me through court. Hell no. Here's your money. There you go. Bye, Brittany. And I wish you luck. Okay? And, and free yourself, parents. Free yourself. I know the parents. I, I This is one of my personal opinion. I don't think the parents be wanting to hear y'all talking shit about them in, in the public eye and all this stuff. I personally think that any parent who's still fighting after that, like it's just like what happened in the end with Michael Jackson. Joe was the fucking enemy for many years, allegedly, to Michael between uh, and Michael's eyes. But they say when the end, when he couldn't get out that fucking contract, who he called on the phone? Joe. Okay? Because one thing he realized, that's my daddy. And my daddy, even though he may have got caught up in the stuff, star stuff and everything, he care about me. And he, and he understand. These, these people around me don't understand I can't do 50 damn shows. But he, my daddy, understands. Unfortunately, Joe was called a little too late. Now, um, Brittany, I tell you to learn from the Michael Jackson of the world because shortly afterwards, Michael Jackson was dying of profile overdose. Now, I'm not saying that's what's going to happen to you. I'm just saying that know who's for you and who ain't for you. Okay. Uh, and I hope, you know, nobody should be told when to get married, when not to get married, but maybe you should consider still working with your father and still, uh, but maybe you guys come to some compromise of, of, of you know, a, a less. But, you know, the, the father might be controlling, but my personal opinion, if I'm the father, give up that. Don't be trying to boss no grown-ass person around. You can't tell no grown-ass person what to do. Okay, let if she want to go down and ruin her fucking life or whatever because it don't still to me it looks a little shady around Britney Spears. You know, 
I was, you know, Britney Spears is one of those people. I thought she's been in, you know, show business since she was a child. And she was put up to be a singer, which, you know, I ain't going to lie to y'all. I never thought Britney, no, I don't think that's probably what she should have been doing in life. But, you know, hey, you know, it is what it is. That's probably why she's cracking her ass up. She really wasn't no singer. I mean, I can see she's a beautiful girl, but they had, I mean, they really were sexualizing her very young. I mean, it, it, it was a, it's a lot of, it was a lot of shit with Britney Spears. You know what I'm saying? It was a, it's, a, I mean, they, it, I mean, they was commodities. You know, she was a, a a product, a very a sexual product. I mean, I remember, I remember first seeing her video, like on MTV, and I remember thinking to myself, this little girl ain't no more than sixteen or seventeen. They probably they got her dancing around in a fucking school uniform, like being overly sexual. She's a child. So you know, I really don't believe, I really don't tell the truth. I know Britney fans would be mad at me. I really believe Britney is still a little, you know, needs to be a, a, a little watched and, and not that watched where somebody telling her what not to do. But she still probably maybe, there may be some mental stuff still going on and that she needs to, you know, she needs help from other people. However, I ain't going to bet. I, if I'm a parent, I ain't going to be dragging myself to court and stuff to make that happen. Now, I understand the parents Parents love your kids, and you don't want to see nothing go down with your kids. But, damn, you can't. I mean, she really don't want this. And so you got to that's her. it's her life. If I was her daddy, I'd put on some Teddy Pentagrass TKO and call it a day and wish her the best and, and walk away. Knowing, you know, knowing that I did my all for my child, okay? That's all you can do in this life. That's all you can do. That's all, okay? Now, last week, y'all got upset, and I wasn't here for the, you know, for the drama. I, I took a break. But Trick Daddy said last week a bit of bold, something very bold, and I was actually like, it was kind of actually refreshing. <laughs> Miami rapper Trick Daddy said Beyonce can't sing. The Beehive came for his restaurant. Well, the Beehive is crazy. They shouldn't be coming for nobody's restaurant. But it says uh, Trick Daddy may be regretting his decision to flap his gums about the superstar uh, with super fans online chat room at Clubhouse. In a leaked audio or music panel, this is according to uh, MiamiHerald.com, too. It said uh, in a leak audio of music panel released Monday, the local rap legend said three shocking words that set off a firestorm in the beehive. Beyonce can't sing. Uh, uh, almost immediately after the leak, outraged fans, her beehive spam review site, well, with snarky comments about his uh, Miami Gardens restaurant, uh, and just saying stuff about a restaurant they had never been to, which is ridiculous. Trick Daddy's heard Beyonce. He didn't like her singing. Okay? Listen, it, I think Beyonce can sing. Do I think she's one of the top singers of all time? No. Okay, You know, she's not a Rochelle Pharrell. She's not a Lettuce. I know she has a hard fucking time with that. She does. She really does. Because most of her time has been spent valuing the stage presence and entertainment. And, and Beyonce's worked real hard to get her voice a lot better over the years. She's a very good, I mean, she's, a, you know, she's worked to really train her vocals to come up. 
but she's just not a Whitney Houston. You know, listen, Whitney can stand there and emote and entertain. Whitney, could, her voice could just entertain, and people were mesmerized. Beyonce can't do that. Okay, Beyonce has to have bells and whistles. Beyonce has to dance around the stage. She has to have, you know, some leotards on. And that's great. That's what makes her Beyonce. The problem with Beyonce is that she doesn't understand that's what makes her Beyonce. And I think that she she has a hard time that she isn't considered with one of the great singers. But that's because of what she chose to focus on and what her crew has chosen to focus on. That doesn't mean she's not a good vocalist and she can't sing. It just means that you're not a Whitney Houston, and that's okay. Whitney Houston's not a Beyonce. She don't need to be. Uh, she didn't need to be. She didn't need to be. Uh, Levity is not a Beyonce. She didn't need to be. But see, this is the problem with Beyonce's energy. Because I remember even when Beyonce was, uh, remember when Levity was supposed to perform at the Grammy Awards? She she played Mahalia Jackson in the Selma movie. And somehow Beyonce ended up performing that song, Glory, that part of Glory or whatever that Lettucey had performed at the Grammy Awards, ended up bouncing Lettucey. That is the kind of energy I talk about about Beyonce because Beyonce had to be up there to prove that she could sing. It's constant. It's like a constant energy. Like, I, gotta, I can sing. I'm more than just a booty shaker. I can, I can sing too. Like, even when, remember when she did, uh, when Dream Girls, I mean, like, nobody asked for a whole other song on the hat soundtrack. Listen. She had to have Listen on there. Listen was oversang. I think it's one of the most oversang songs ever. Uh, but it was Beyonce trying to prove that she can sing. It's been my problem with Beyonce. It's like, you, we know you can sing, Beyonce, but you to, to try to prove it to us all the time, to try to prove to us all the time, it's it's like it's like it's such a it's like that's what she does. And so this week, Miss Tina had came out. Tina come out because you know I gotta talk about it. I know you be out of going mad me. And trust me, you know I already got my my reservation at the Ramada Inn set up. I'm ready to go check in. Okay, I don't get mad at me beehive. I check my own damn self into the Ramada Inn. Okay, but Miss Tina. Now Miss Tina's trying to prove to us that Beyonce can sing. Miss Tina's asking. Miss Tina, I love Miss Tina. Miss Tina be getting on my nerves though, because there's a couple of things about Miss Tina I got beef with. <laughs> I knew Miss Tina be acting as the uh, what is she the I can't blame her. That's her baby though. That's her daughter. Uh, the uh, the published for Beyonce. Uh, but Miss Tina also be out here. Miss Tina, I be seeing you on my uh, my booze site. Maxwell, Miss Tina like my boo too. Okay, Richard, watch her. Okay, because you know, uh, uh-uh. uh, I'm not having this. <laughs> but listen, I got a couple of bowls to pick with Miss Tina. <laughs> but Miss Tina had to put up this post of Beyonce's engineer, Wivel Shell's vocals from her I Care Studio session. Another overdone song. Let me play it for y'all, okay? Cause I, I, you know, I'm just gonna say my piece. Play it for y'all. Hold on. Oh Lord. Her solo that she mimics with her voice, which I've, I've never heard before, but um, let's see if we can pull it up. 
see what I'm talking about. Listen to this, what Miss Tina said. I have always been in awe of what she does. She does it with other instruments as well. You know where they're getting this from, okay? I'm going to tell you where, okay? I'll say so full of shit. They're getting it from, because years ago, they used to say this about, I think it was Dizzy Gillespie or somebody, they used to say somebody, Shaka Khan, was trained that she would, with Dizzy Gillespie or somebody, that she could, she could mimic trumpet, trumpet, uh, the trumpet instrument and stuff like that. So Beyonce wants to put her fucking self in that category. She can't stand that she's not Shaka Khan. She can't stand that she's not putting a category with Lettucey. She can't stand that she's not putting a court category with Whitney Houston. She can't stand that she is in the category of the best among her peers, which are people like Ashanti, um, uh, uh, Jan- Janet's even in that. Janet, to me, is a better performer, but Janet's in that, okay? She can't stand that she is locked there because her, her most of her Stress is put on her entertainment. She just happens to be able to sing, too. But we don't consider her uh, like a deep emotional Whitney type. We don't consider her a reason. And she's mad about that. She can't stand, she, this is her part. She can't stay in her lane. She's so mad. I want to be in a reason's lane. <laughs> I can sing too. <laughs> you know who else can sing? Beyonce. And people don't talk about his great of a voice that she has. But that's because she's focused more on, to me, being a rock star and rock entertainer. That's Tina Turner. Tina Turner can sing her ass off. Of course, emotes more emotion than Beyonce and has better song value. Beyonce focuses on little pop hit anthems that don't focus on her vocals. And so she's mad because she has fucking 10 cent pop songs that she, that, that are not considered classics like that. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like the, like, so she's upset about that, that her song choices have not put, I mean, she's got a few like love on top where she sounds like she's really stressing to sing love on top. But but she's got a few that she does have that she can show that she shows her vocal skills. But, you know, it's not many that, you know, most of the songs don't display her vocal skills like a Whitney Houston or a Shaka Khan or, or, or people like that because that's not her thing. It was never meant to be your thing. Beyonce, well, let me tell you what happened to you, okay? Let me explain what happened to you, dear. And, I'm, and, 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 and this is what I think is the truth. I think that they saw you as a very pretty girl. I get looks is everything. Looks is important, okay? It ain't everything, but it's important. They saw you as sexy. I mean, you got a lot of things that some people didn't have that are great singers out there. I mean, Aretha wasn't considered the sexiest thing. She was pretty, but she, she wasn't considered it. She didn't have all that stuff that you got. Now, Tina did. I think what they saw about you, Beyonce, is that there was a flatness to you. Because I still see it when you talk and everything. There's a flatness to you that they needed to give you some bells and whistles. And so you needed to be a performer. Because even when you sing with emotion and stuff like that, it still comes over kind of like, I don't want to be mean. It comes over flat. I mean, she's not a shocker. 
But I love when she when she performed. She said, you know, like when she did that Avi Maria thing. That was good. It was decent. It's, I mean, it, yeah. but you don't have to be Jill Scott. You're not Jill Scott, Beyonce. Even though I like when you perform, he loves me in concert. It was really a good uh, uh, tribute to Jill. But you're not Jill, and Jill's not you. Jill's not trying to be you. Jill's not trying to get up on stage and shaking her ass and stuff. Jill's not. Jill understands that she'll. That's not really what she needs. Like Fantasia, Beyonce, Fantasia can get up. Now Fantasia can do what you do. She just does it in a different way. But Fantasia's just got a different set of skills. Like she, Fantasia can happen to do both. She can stand on stage and sing, and she can. She struts around and dances and everything too. She. Everybody don't get the same skill set, and it's okay. But God is giving you your set of skill set, and you need to be able to embrace it and accept it and quit trying to run over into everybody's lane to prove you this thing. And that's the problem with Beyonce. That's my huge big problem with Beyonce, one of my huge problems with Beyonce. Beyonce, that's what she did for Dreamgirls. Jennifer Hudson, who could sing her ass out, she couldn't take it that Jennifer or her people couldn't take it. I won't say her. Somebody couldn't take it that Jennifer Hudson had that big song, I am telling you, I'm not going. Okay. <laughs> you know, she, they gave her the, the, the signature song. They said, well, Beyonce, we got to give Beyonce a signature song. I need to know. I can sing, too. I want to show my vocals. I'm not like Diana Ross. I don't set the song, please, like Diana. So I'm going to sing, over sing, listen. They gave her listen. Just to put on it. It's just, that's the kind of irritating shit. It's like, yeah. oh, let me go check into the Ramada Inn for the Beehive come after me again. I feel like I'm going to go have to go into the little witness protection thing. If I just keep checking, or I keep checking into the, re, the Ramada Inn every week. <laughs> It's the thing I can't stand. And I can't stand that the beehive can't accept that everybody doesn't glorify the onsite. It's just it's not. It's just we don't. Everybody doesn't. I love her performance. You know what? Ain't nothing like Beyonce. Beyonce at Coachella. <gasps> Fire. But was I was I was I getting excited about her vocals? Like when I go see Letty and I'm like you better sing. No, I'm not doing that with Beyonce. Or am I doing that with, I'd be like, girl, you better get it there with Beyonce. Walk down there, she got that strut and walking down there. I mean, nobody can beat that. That's who she is. And that's a beautiful lane to be in, trying to prove yourself. Quit trying. It's even like with Solange. When Solange come out with her own little thing, little eye, little thing, here come Beyonce with Blackest King trying to prove that. I can beat these too. I beat, I beat. I I'm getting ready to do Blackie King. Oh, God help us. No, Beyonce. You sing Savage. <laughs> All the single ladies. Irreplaceable. Booty <laughs> Pop, Crazy in Love. That's what this is. Dangerously in Love. Now, wait a minute. Hold on. That's a song. That, you know, that's one song that I feel like Beyonce emotes a lot of emotion. She must have been in love with that dude. Ugh. I feel that, Beyonce. That Dangerously in Love. That's, that was the vocals. 
over saying yes. But it was good vocal, so I felt her emotion, you know? And I admire that she tries so hard. Like, you know, she's a little, 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 little train that could. You know what I'm saying? I, I can sing too. I'm going to train my vocals. I'm going to learn everything so I can be like with me. And it still doesn't work, but it's okay because you still got a good voice and you can dance and you can sing. You just got to quit proving yourself to everybody. Just have fun and be who you are. Just accept, quit trying so hard. Could try and over in everybody's lane. Like, you know, I would go see, I've seen a lot of different singers and stuff and shows and concerts, live concerts, live performances and everything. And there was stuff like, like, let me just talk about how can I use, who can I use for example? Like Luther. Like, you can have a group that can come out there and dance and be running across the stage and be doing everything to get the audience hyped and everybody be up on their feet. I mean, I've seen some of the best bands perform, like Cameo, Earth, Wind, and Fire, all that. I mean, Earth, Wind, and Fire is a different beat. Let me take that off the Earth, Wind, and Fire, they could do anything. But you see so many performers that had to pull out the extras. But look, Luther had this magical thing. that, And it doesn't it didn't mean that Luther didn't have stage presence. But Luther could, I remember one night, I've told this story on here before, where this girl was performing before Luther, and she was complaining about I ain't going to say who it was, but she was complaining about a lot of shit. I mean, they turned down my speaker and all that stuff. Luther, she was kind of messing up the atmosphere. Luther was last. All I remember is the light being dim. It was in the amphitheater of Starlight in Kansas City. It was a beautiful night. Wind was blowing, summer night. Luther came out. It was completely dark. You could see his gowns from his girls and the guy back there shimmering. It was dark. He had to hold. And all you heard was, a chair is still a chair. Listen here. He sang no, no music. Oh, my God. People just start going out. He, you couldn't even see his ass, okay? Luther didn't have to dance. Luther didn't have to do nothing. It was mad. Because Luther just, he just had that, that's just Luther. You couldn't, you couldn't fuck with it. I mean, and by the time when the music came on, people was up like they was in church. Oh, my God, Luther. You would think Luther had just did a whole uh, leotard dance, a booty shake across the stage, but Luther just whooped everybody's ass. All four acts that had been on with one verse, just standing there. Everybody ain't got that, Beyonce. You ain't got that. But it's okay. You got the booty shape and a voice and use it all together to make that. Janet don't got that. Okay, and Janet's my favorite favorite singer, favorite performer of all time, okay? Janet, but Janet, let me tell you something. I done seen Janet stand up on stage and fuck people just scream for a fucking five minutes while she just staring at the audience, her and her book. Okay? And ain't nobody got it like Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson could perform his motherfucking ass. Let me tell you something. Michael Jackson, he was crazy. People, I, I ain't never seen nothing like Michael Jackson ever, 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 ever. So it wasn't a loser. But like Michael Jackson could hear everybody's ass, okay? Michael Jackson just had this magical 
performance skill. And he wasn't worried that he wasn't probably like Luther. He wasn't trying to be like Luther. He understood he was Michael fucking Jackson. Beyonce, that's her her problem is she don't understand she's Beyonce. And she try she feels like she's limited. And she might be in some senses. But it's what makes you you. You're the greatest performer of your generation. Now I know that's not a lot today to say. Not a lot, because you don't got a lot of competition. Not a lot of competition. But you still in. Even though I think what upsets we can go see a let it see without her dancing across the Beyonce wished that she didn't have to dance across the stage. But you got to. That's make that's what makes you you. Tina Turner did it. I mean, you know, but Tina Turner don't have to dance. It was a different time, Beyonce. A lot of them people grew up in churches, you know, doing what they got to do. I mean, you wouldn't. I mean, I don't know if you was really trained. Like you was more trained to be a, a entertainer, and it's it's a different. It's just different than those artists. Those artists, are, they were trained in a different way. And it's, you got to accept being Beyonce and accept what the skill set that you've been given. I mean, you know, talk about Maxwell on stage, okay? Like, Maxwell don't have to do much. Like, that motherfucker come out on stage. He, you know, women just start screaming. It's like, what the fuck? Now, he do got to do much when, like, when he perform up against somebody like Mary J and stuff because they kind of hardcore and they fight. They come, they come to, they, they understand they got to come to do war with somebody like Maxwell because they know the girls is just going to scream for no fucking reason. He can just come up, show up on stage, and people start, ah! You know, because he's fine. So they, they that's part, and he, he ain't even sang yet, and the girls is already screaming. Like, and he can sing, too. So, and he got a stage presence. So the girls is kind of like already there. So, but Mary J got to kick his ass because she's like, shit, these girls bitches are going to be screaming before he even gets to hit the stage with it. So I got to come out and whoop his ass. And I always say to him, I always say about him, like, I'm looking back at his old stuff. Like, you know, when he's at the Apollo and stuff like that. And he's my favorite, favorite, favorite singer. As, you know, him and Luther. And I always look and I just say, and, and Marvin, too. But what I always say about Maxwell is that Maxwell, I don't know if it's only certain cities he does it, but sometimes Maxwell will use his arsenal of sexuality, but a lot of times he'll try to avoid using it. I think he sees it all times because it's really his kick-ass move. I mean, you know, like when you got a voice that beautiful and you sexy like that, you can kick a lot of asses. Like, he, back in the early Urban Hainsley days and nowadays, I saw that shit. He was kicking that. He kind of got timid, though, a little bit in the Black Summer Night era to me. Maybe, I don't know, does the hair is back. Maybe the hair, maybe he'll be a lot less as timid. As, but I don't know. I think it's maybe the shows I went to, too. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. I don't know. It's interesting. But I think he can use his sexual, sexual energy more on stage because – I think that that helps in a performance, you know. Uh, you know, Beyonce definitely uses that. I mean, and that's her thing, you know. Use your shit. Marvin used to use that shit all the time. Marvin Gaye knew that women liked him, okay. So Marvin Gaye would come out there using it. But Marvin Gaye has so much in his arsenal. I mean, you know, is he was a great, but Marvin a different time. 
you know, raised in the church. You know, if you was raised in the church, they used to make your little ass get up and perform all the little stuff. So you learn how to perform early, early. But, you know, the difference between Generation X is that Generation X was the last generation of Native Black America that grew up and had to be singing in church and shit like that, had to go to church and stuff. And it created a different set of performers. You know, you you know, Aretha was from the church. You know, I always tell people, you know how many Aretha Franklin's it probably was in the 60s and 70s? A lot. <laughs> I mean, because it was such a different time, it created such a different vibe. And then you also had people who focused on perform- on stage performance skills, too. A&R Rex, was focused on that stuff. Today, you can tell the difference that, these, you know, a lot of people – you know, just don't have that thing that 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 performance skill set. And you know, Beyonce, you can't be upset. I mean, you do have a great. I I love to go see Beyonce for her performance and how she looks. She always looks like a goddess on stage. She always looks extra beautiful. Do I pay much attention to her vocals? No. Beyonce's vocals is not really what I come to pay attention to. Now, there's been a few times where I've seen her in concert. I've been like, I like seeing that song, baby. I hear you. Yes, but not really. Am I doing her like Lettuce when I go see Lettuce? No. Lettuce is a singer. Rochelle Pharrell is a singer. So I know I'm getting a whole different set of skills. And it's okay. When I go see Janet Jackson, I don't expect to see Lettuce. I, you know, I love Janet. That's my favorite thing, but I do not expect to see Legacy up there. Janet is a performer. And Janet can deliver a song kind of a little bit standing there, too. But she comes from a different skill set, a different background. I really believe that with Beyonce, they really trained her very robotically. It, it kind of hurts her a little bit because it's hard for her to me and sometimes to find her um, her real emotion. And so, you know, it, 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 so they, they've made a lot of bells and whistles surrounding her to kind of show to kind of create a personality around her. You know what I'm saying? And, 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 and Sasha Fierce is that personality, okay? And that's cool. Ain't nobody mad at that. I agree with Trick Daddy. She ain't the top ten, okay? It is what, but now I don't agree she can't sing. I think she can sing. I just think she's not, I mean, it's, when somebody say, can she sing? I say, no, she can sing. I mean, I don't even say I can sing. I can sing. I can hold a note. But Am I Rochelle for real? No. Moving on. Nick Cannon. Nick Cannon's new talk show reportedly replacing the real. But does this mean the ladies are getting canceled? I mean, God knows that the real's expiration date is long overdue. But you know what? I don't want to see nobody lose their job out in these streets. I do got a heart. <laughs> Contrary to popular belief. Something. We have my big 
According to Bossom.com, it says 40-year-old Nick Cannon is preparing to take his place on the Mount Rushmore of great daytime talk shows right next to Wendy Williams. It's being reported. According to Radar, the star's new daytime talk show will be replacing, will be replacing the ladies of the real. Radar says they have a source who confirms that the time slot currently occupied by the real is going to be given to Nick Cannon. Insiders reportedly told the outlet that Wendy Williams' show is perfect to prelude Cannon's highly anticipated talk show, and it's meant to be because they both share the same producer, Lionsgate, Debmar Murphy. Um, Wendy Williams is a massive hit and the perfect hit uh, lead into Nick's show, one source told Radar. Another bit on the on the inside information about new, Nick's new project, Insiders reportedly confirmed that Nick filmed uh, his pilot test show a few months ago on Wendy's set, but when his show goes live September, he will move into his own studio in Harlem. So what does this mean for the ladies of the real? According to Radar, host Adrian, Jenny, and Lonnie and Garcelle have been have not been told yet that their show is getting a new time slot to make a wiggle room for next daytime show, and it doesn't mean they're going anywhere anytime soon, or does it? It is unclear what new time slot they will get. And Radar uh, shadily added this, or if they get one at all, per top TV source. Ooh, okay. Let me just talk about Nick Cannon here and daytime. Daytime is a very fickle uh, place to be. I often think that sometimes talk shows, and, and listen, Oprah has cast her shadow over daytime talk shows. Like Donahue had cast his shadow before Oprah, okay, and uh Oprah changed the trajectory of daytime talk so much that I said you have to be something different. And uh, Nick Cannon, uh, remember women who are home during the day, sometimes with their children and stuff like that, even though we know the dynamics of who's at home during the day is constantly changing. It's changing sometimes in this generation, but it's still a lot of women at home during the day. And women run daytime talk show. I often was said that I used to love Ananda Lewis when she had a little daytime talk show. But back in those days, I knew that she was too pretty for daytime talk. I was like, she's so pretty. She's so cute and a little perfect in MTV. Like, she, she's not going to work in daytime at that time, daytime talk at that time. I think Ananda was great today. But, uh, no, again, no, maybe not. Because if you try to be Oprah-ish, like, What's her name is going to do, like Tamron Howell. You know what I'm saying. Um, Because Oprah's already ruined that. (laughs) She's made it. She's easy. Ain't nobody can't nobody beat Oprah. But here's the thing. Um, I feel like they should have gave Nick Cannon a nighttime spot. Uh, and I don't know what this thing is to keep black uh, hosts out of nighttime. Like it's just it, it, they kept Arsenio out of it after two years. Uh, they put Nick in daytime, which seems awkward, especially considering Nick's um, extracurricular activities. I don't know how that will sit well with women <laughs> during the day who are home taking care of children to watch what a person. I mean, listen, and listen, you know. Ain't tonight nobody's hustle in their personal life, but to to what is perceived to be a womanizing guy showing up on a talk show talking to women in daytime, women who are at home in daytime, women gonna be looking at him like, how many kids he's got? How many kids he's running? He's taking pictures with all his baby mamas. 
I mean, it's just ain't going. I don't know what they're going to do to correct that. I love to see it. I would love to see what Nick's first show looks like, and having, and especially if he's like some sort of polygamist. Women are not just going to take to that. Women run daytime. Women are the audience for daytime talk. So it's going to be interesting to see. To me, Nick Cannon would have been better off on an Arsenio Hall type of show at night. Daytime is a very conservative space. I know they're trying to change that, but I feel like Nick Cannon is not the proper choice for daytime. Now, he could prove me wrong. I like to see it. <laughs> it's just like Tyra Banks. Okay, when remember when Tyra Banks had, you know, let me see this. They they got a thing here too showing me. Let me look and see if I see it. I'm going to say, no, I'm just looking at the, the trailer for some of his. No, I'm going to already say it. I'm going to say it. And especially with the publicity he has been ranking up, like, you know, looking like he's a future out here in these streets. That is not good to for daytime talk to be ha- going around having a bunch of baby mamas, you know. Because daytime talk, you have to appeal to the women who are at home. And so, you know, who would have been great for daytime talk? I'm gonna be honest with y'all. Who would have been a great talk show just to have his own talk show for daytime talk? Who's got that good man? I mean, the good guy vibe. He's real. All the older women love him. He's good looking. Michael Strahan. I don't know why they missed that. Michael Strahan can do daytime talk, okay? Because the women love Michael Strahan. He's older. He has that daytime uh, uh, thing vibe. They gave him the talk show before with uh, the, what's the white girl? I forget the white girl's name. And Kiki Palmer. That just didn't work. Him and Kiki might have been working together, but it was too many of them when they added Kiki. And Michael can do that by himself. I mean, women just really like Michael Strahan. They do, and they think of him as, you know, kind of an older, sex, uh, a sexy guy, and he comes off as a very vanilla guy, which works for daytime. Nick comes off as very, is coming off very, he's vanilla, but he's kind of wild now. And, and, he, and, and, and a lot of women are going to hold that against him in daytime. They're going to be like, I'm not watching him. They'll probably give him a first few months, but once they find out, he's like, he has, like, multiple babies. I mean, other, other. he's got to be something really different to appeal to those women. So I'm going to be – it's going to be interesting to see how they work Nick into uh, to daytime. And But I'm just – I'm just not understanding why not put Nick in the nighttime slot. I really don't get that. I really don't. I don't even get where I – where why Arsenio Hall can't get back on nighttime. Who was the best to me late night talk show ever? I'm a big Arsenio advocate. Couldn't nobody do it like Arsenio, okay? So, but I think that if you were going to put Nick into that time slot, it should have been, uh, you know, it should have been night. It should have been against uh, against people like it's almost as if they don't want a black male to compete in that space. 
Like, they don't want a black male to compete against all these white night talk show hosts that are out there, except for that guy from South Africa, which is, I don't really consider him nighttime talk, uh, the, the Daily Show. But it's sort of like you don't want anybody to compete against the late night shows on CBS, ABC, uh, what's his name? Uh, you know that there is a black audience out there that is very hungry. That's why they didn't let Arsenio keep going. Because Arsenio was number one, I think, at the 18 to uh, 45 times. I mean, at the age, 18 to 45 age uh, uh, slot, they knew eventually he was going to take over. And they didn't want the show to grow because they had just put that boy on late night and everything. It, it, it's really a shame how they get Arsenio. I ain't going to lie. I feel mean, a lot of issues, right, Arsenio. But, you know, they, they know there's a, a, a black audience that is hungry for a, a hip Arsenio Hall type of show to come back. And they did, they don't want to do that for some reason anymore. It's interesting. I don't know why, but that's where Nick would have felt that fit better and probably would have been more successful in my opinion. Okay. I don't know uh, why they're putting him on daytime. That's crazy. I don't get that. Just don't. Okay. Uh, let's see. What else are we going to talk about? Um, we're going to talk about college. You know, let's talk about Michael B. Jordan, okay, uh, in, the, in the wine controversy last week. Let me see. Did I have that pulled up? Okay, Michael B. Jordan, uh, this is according to Yahoo.com, apologizes and agrees to rename his rum brand after being accused of cultural appropriation, okay? So much for the Pan-African love fest, okay? Uh, what it says, Michael B. Jordan originally launched his rum brand under the name, is it Hoovert or Jovert? Jovert? I don't know how to pronounce it. But prominent members of the Caribbean community include Nicki Minaj. Hmm. Uh, criticize the name. Uh, Javert is a phrase used in the Caribbean culture to mark the start of carnival season. The Black Panther actor Michael B. Jordan said he was renaming his new rum brand after the original name was accused of appropriating Caribbean culture. The 34-year-old actor launched his rum earlier this month under the name uh, Hovert or Javert, I don't know. The name appears to be borrowed from the phrase used on many Caribbean islands to mark the start of carnival. Jordan faced uh, criticism from members of the Caribbean community, including rapper Nicki Minaj, who was born in the island nation of Trinidad, Tobago. Now, Nicki has sold uh, her, a, a whole native black American culture, including Lil' Kim, said, girl, back. Somebody gets cultural appropriation. The fuck? The nerve of her to be talking about cultural appropriation. After it was uncovered that a business trademark had been filed for the name. On Tuesday in a post his Instagram story, Jordan said he was in for the process of renaming the rum. Okay, he continued, we hear you, I hear you, and I want to be clear that we are in the process of renaming. We sincerely apologize and look forward to introducing a brand we can all be proud of. No, Jordan. Michael B. Jordan, you got to understand what this means. We have everybody talking about cultural appropriation, but when we start talking about shit, when black Americans start saying about cultural appropriation, we just trying to be divisive. No, we not. No, no, no. We got our own culture. So what the fuck do you think? What's going on here? 
Now, I wouldn't have changed shit if I was Michael B. Jordan. So, I mean, you know, is it a French name? I mean, I mean, you know, they use uh, 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 if 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 the Caribbean Caribbean people had known anything about the Louisiana Purchase in history, you know that I mean uh, that uh, the people out of New Orleans use uh, a French language, different things for different things too. Okay, but you know I digress. Um, now, a funny thing happened after all of this, okay? Now, after they went off on Michael B. Jordan about cultural appropriation, okay? Let me pull it up, see if I can pull uh, this up. We're going to talk about Bill Cosby in a minute. I know y'all like, Carlotta, you didn't get to Bill Cosby yet. I'm about to get to Bill Cosby, Bill, in a minute, okay? Um, now, I think a white man ended up buying the trademark for the name. Okay, is he going to be cultural appropriation, appropriating out in these streets? <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, let's see. And he sure going to use that shit on his, and probably on a wine or something. Let me see. Um, pull up that article. Okay. It says trademark for Juvert, uh, Juvert, uh, run file by New York, white New York resident. Uh, it says, uh, this is from, uh, News America, uh, now. Black Panther actor Michael B. Jordan may be taking the front end, front end brunt of the clapback over his attempt to launch a run brand over the backs of Caribbean culture and name, and the name of this historic, historic carnival event. Divert, but a news but a news American investigation has found that an application to own the trademark of the name was actually filed by a white New York resident. Louis Ryan Schaefer of 78 Arthur Street, New York City, quietly filed an application to trademark the name Hoovert with his patent and trademark office on September the 25th, 2020. The trademark office published the mark for the mark of for opposition on April 6, 2021. More than two months ago, in the application, Safer started invalidly that the word Hoover has no meaning in a foreign language. Uh, says it actually originates from French horovert, meaning daybreak or morning, and signals the start of carnival. Um, it's the first day of carnival festivities in Trinidad and Tobago. Okay, the Caribbean and its diasporas. Uh, okay. Uh, Carnival was introduced to Trinidad by French colonizers in 1783. So actually it belongs to the French motherfuckers. It ain't yours either. But, uh, banned from the, from the masquerade by the French enslaved people who would stage their own mini carnivals in their backyards using their own rituals and fort lines. Okay. Um, listen, uh, this is funny because this white man's probably going to get this name public, get this name uh, trademark, and he's probably going to use it for some shit. And I probably, we probably ain't going to hear no shit about it. That's all I'll say on that note, okay? <laughs> ain't going to sell that shit. He's going to sell it right down that corner. You know, you know, I know how they, you know, you know how I go, okay? Um, Bill Cosby. Bill Cosby this week. That's me. And you know what? I'm glad about this. This is good. Now, some people are going to get mad at me right now, saying, Bill Cosby is a racist. I don't know that. 
What I do know is that a bunch of women who in the who all have various stories, and I've read through all the women's stories. They're very interesting, but there's a reason why only one of those cases could be brought forth in in trial to convict. convict. It's hard to prove some of those cases. And back in the days, like I tell people, you can't just listen to somebody. Like if somebody tell you 20 years from now, somebody says, a girl says, I was drugged at a party because I, and he gave me Molly. And you'd be like, and people 20 years from now be like, oh, my God, she was giving drugs at a party, Molly. And it made, you know, it made her hot. Not understanding how Molly was a party drug of this day, Right. And not understanding that people use Molly and ecstasy and all that stuff for sexual prowess and sexual, uh, even the women will take it knowingly and so they can get high and have be more, uh, their inhibitions be more down and everything. Same thing in the 50s and the 60s and the 70s. In the 70s, the drug of choice was Quaalude. They love that shit. They be popping that shit at, at the Playboy Mansion, all kind of parties to get high, to party, for sex, all kind of stuff because it was known not for putting you to sleep but for the sexual high it gave, okay? And our boundaries about how we see a sexual assault and stuff like that, not saying that, you know, sexual assault is a sexual assault, but our boundaries have changed much more in the last 50 years, okay? So we have to take in account the time. We have to take in account that were these women, is it, is it, is it uh, realistic to think that maybe these women were given, took these drugs because they wanted to party and have sex too? Yeah, in that time it was realistic because a lot of people in the 70s were using these drugs, particularly in the entertainment areas and stuff, to get high for and get and get and to have a sexual adventure, this that drug would you can read up with plenty of articles out here the fuck on it, okay? Even in the Wolf of Wall Street, the first thing he talks about is talks about giving quaaludes. It was a thing, and so y'all be talking about the It means you're giving women drugs, yes, but read the rest of the deposition that they overturned. He admitted to he admitted to it, but he said it was all consensual. And you guys are so shocked at the idea of him giving quaaludes because your your perception your perception is not in that time. You don't understand it. Just like think about you using a Molly today. That Ti and Tiny are getting accused of being drug women, but we don't know if they was using them on purpose in women or not. Fourth in the timely man. But it says according to uh, Yahoo.com. Via USA Today, it says Pennsylvania highest court overturned Bill Cosby's sex assault conviction Wednesday, and Cosby was released from a state prison hours later wearing a white T-shirt from his alma mater, Philadelphia Central High School. Cosby appeared outside his uh, Shelterham Township home, escorted by his spokesperson, Andrew Wyatt, and his appellate attorney, Jennifer Bonjean. He smiled and nodded at his supporters but said nothing. Today on this hot day, this is a hot verdict for us that we will forever cherish, Wyatt told reporters. He's extremely happy to be home, Bojan said. He looks forward to reuniting with his wife and his children. On Thursday, his first full day of freedom, Cosby, Cosby left early for an undisposed location. He has another home in Springfield, Massachusetts, to reunite with his wife for 67 years. 
Camille and his children. Wyatt told USA Today, Kazi has not seen his wife in nearly three years because he did not want her to visit him in prison, Wyatt said. Wyatt said he and Kazi stayed up until 2 a.m. at the Pennsylvania home because Kazi was afraid of going to sleep and waking up to find his release was just a dream. Wow. The stunning reversal of fortune for the 83-year-old Cosby, once beloved as America's dead, happened after the court found an agreement with the previous prosecutor preventing him from being charged in the case, which I've always said. They made a deal that they wasn't going to hold anything against them. So how the fuck you going to come back out and unseal the document and then make it a thing? You know, and not only that, they used Constantine's um uh, uh 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 testimony they let her test them uh, testimony but she got paid she got she uh allegedly i don't know if it's really allegedly anymore but we're gonna say that allegedly took 3.4 million dollars from Cosby in a settlement which i call you know what i call settlements here when you don't take it to, to criminal court i call settlements co-transactions Okay, so uh, there was no reason that, but she was the only case that they had in those sealed documents to get Cosby on. Because Cosby had a thing, just because Cosby had a thing with giving women uh, popping drugs before sex, a lot of people do that. A lot of people get high. A lot of women do that, too. Love to get high before sex. Some people say it's a better high. Now, the question becomes, was it consensual or not? And you have to be able to prove that in court. And unfortunately, uh, they didn't have the proof because they never had a case. He was in jail. He shouldn't have even been in jail. They shouldn't have even used that deposition. Sorry for the women who think that they had any kind of wrongs done to them. There's no proof that I can't go back to the Playboy Mansion in 1942. Ain't nobody, can't nobody go back and see what happened. No, that doesn't mean, I'm not trying to be mean. But we can't, can't nobody figure it out. You can't, we can't believe you. You can't just come back, show up 20 years later. In 1945, Bill Cosby gave me some play loops at the Playboy Mansion. I'd like to help you, but your case is almost 40, 50, 60 years too late. 70, 80 years. Ain't nothing I can do about 1945. In 1979, in 1985, Cosby gave me some Benadryl, and I told him, I'm like, okay, I'll take it. All I'm going to say to these people out here right now, though, I'm, we'll say this. Bill Cosby's ass is, you know, still, don't take no drinks, man, from Bill. <laughs> but I will say this, you know, uh, you know, it isn't that the women shouldn't, that the women may not be telling the truth. I, I personally think that, you know, some of the stories were, a lot of the stories were questionable. I read through them. However, um, it doesn't mean things didn't happen, but it doesn't mean things happened either. You could be pissed off at Cosby because Cosby maybe didn't put you on. I don't know. So, it, it you know, it's hard to say in these things. And I know I make a lot of people mad with my thought on this, okay? And I'm going to talk about this a little bit more. I'm going to go over to Overdrive, and I'm going to talk and discuss this case a little bit more. I'm getting ready to sign off for tonight. For those of you who are listening to me on the phone lines, you can stay on the phone lines and keep listening. For those of you who are listening to me over the computer, I am getting ready to sign off. I'm glad I got to talk to y'all. I'm glad we got to 
uh, have our moment, but you can hear the rest of the show on uh, in the archives, okay, uh, the the after show that I'll do, okay? We're going to end it with Music Soul Child Buddy. It's the CC Show. I'll tell a lot of y'all. Y'all have a good 4th of July weekend, weekend. Enjoy your 4th of July tomorrow. Don't eat too much, y'all. Don't eat too much, okay? Have a good one. And for the rest of you who are listening to me on the phone line, Stay on. We're going into overdrive, okay? I'll be back in a moment. If I alarmed you, I don't mean to bother you. I just wanna get you to pause and slow your walk. So maybe we can talk and I can try to charm you. Just trying to find out who you are. I don't mean to come off like a telemarketer. I ain't no hood, no crook, no robber. I just want a part of your heart. I can borrow sometimes. And maybe I can call you up. And maybe I can take you out. So let's Change it, it's a later arrangement, it's either your face or mine, yeah. It's a different type of commitment, yeah. I'm talking about a true friendship, yeah. Someone I can depend on and be down, no matter what, let me know if you're with it, girl. Disrespectful on my convo is a little bit too sexual, but damn, it's incredible. Be more flexible, cause the context of this text is sexual. But wait, let me explain it. A buddy is an equal beneficial arrangement. A buddy is a buddy that don't be complaining with. Here's a hub buddy, ain't a buddy no. with sometimes. And maybe I can call you up. And maybe I can take you out. So let's exchange digits and later arrange digits, either your face or mine, yeah. It's a different type of commitment. I'm talking about a true friendship. Someone I can depend on if you're down no matter what. Let me know what you're with it, cause girl, it'll be If you are my trying to say is the definition of a real buddy is you are listening to the archive so remember you can hit me up on carly's underscore galaxy on instagram you can also hit me up at the carlotta i mean carlotta 72 and c chatwood show on twitter that's two different accounts c chatwood show is more active than carlotta 72 on twitter okay and then also on facebook my facebook page or carlotta chatwood facebook page okay you can send messages to instagram and to uh, uh carlotta chatwood facebook page if you want to get in touch with me about a show or something like that okay a lot of y'all write me on there. Y'all got something to say, okay? Uh, also, um, uh, we were talking about Bill Cosby. Felicia Rashad got a lot of heavy, heavy criticism. I remember when I saw the statement this week, she came out in support saying, that, you know, it was a terrible, you know, injustice done to Bill Cosby or whatever. And people got really upset with her 
uh, certain people did. Listen, and now she's apologizing and everything. This is a disservice that black people have done to themselves. We've done to ourselves, just in my personal opinion. Uh, white liberals love to control black America thought. I mean, Malcolm X talked about this 100 years ago. I mean, several years ago, 50 years ago, uh, through donations, jobs, corporate sponsorships. They're another form of white supremacy, okay? And uh, a lot of these uh, white liberals control our black HBCUs and things like that. And, you know, it's not all white liberals. Like, it's not all white conservatives that are bad. But there are a lot that will practice trying to teach black people what to feel. Oh, you're not supposed to feel that way about Bill Cosby. Well, we don't think there was enough proof to convict Bill Cosby and make Bill Cosby out to be a rapist. To me, there's just not enough proof. Well, over 50 women said he was a rapist. Eh, It's different if over, and let me explain to you. I always say the burden of proof is heavier for a celebrity, and not because they're a celebrity, like in terms of, oh, we so beloved, we so in love with celebrities. No, meaning that celebrities, there is so much that comes with celebrities. Like with celebrities, those women, when they accuse Bill Cosby of rape, a lot of women got interviews. They got 15 seconds of fame. I'm not saying they were doing that for that. But with with celebrityism, when you start to blame a celebrity for something, there's a lot of benefits that come from blaming celebrities versus Joe Blow down the street. So to me, women have to be vetted even harder when you say a celebrity did something to you, okay? Because there are a lot of times these celebrities have uh, relationships with a bunch of women. Like I heard, uh, and I played, meant to play that this week. I didn't get to play. I didn't put up a lot of stuff I wanted to play. But I heard uh, Sean Kingston, I think, on Angela Yee's show. And he was talking about how he, you know, he's so careful. He got 10 women in rotation. Like he said, he didn't even use comments with nasty, nasty shit, okay? But anyway, you 10 women, go get yourself checked. Mm. And there's a lot of celebrity males out there like that, okay? That may have five or 10 women in rotation, not using condoms. Ugh. But anyway, but they live a wild lifestyle, a lot of them, okay? And they get coochie thrown at them all the time. And when some woman gets pissed because one of them dumps her or he ain't, you know, give her the promises that he was coming off of. Then they can say, he tried to give me Molly, he baby. I mean, you can lie on these men. You can do a lot of things, okay? So I'm not saying that all women are because there are some rapists and, and uh, horrible people in Hollywood that are celebrities too. believe that shit, okay? But I'm just saying that the burden of proof has to be, you have to make it a little bit more to vet women a little bit more because there is benefits that come from even accusing celebrities of doing bad things because of their fame and money attached to them versus Joe Blow down the street who nobody knows and doesn't have a lot of money and 50 women say he did something. Well, there's not a lot that can come from that, okay? That doesn't mean that the women shouldn't, all 50 women shouldn't be vetted in his case too because we all have that innocent until proven guilty in a court of law, okay? Bill Cosby has never been proven guilty, and when he was, it was a case that never should have been brought up, okay? And um, 
so for me, Felicia Rashad has a right to her fucking opinion. She said what she said, but she can apologize for it. We have got to quit letting white liberals decide what uh, uh, what is best for our community and who is best to uh, uh, who should stay in our community, who shouldn't. But it's unfortunately unfortunate for black people that we've given uh, white liberals and some conservatives a lot of control in our, our community. And um, all women should not be uh, all women should be taken seriously when a woman accuses someone of rape because that needs to be investigated. But remember, the the burden of proof is always on the person who is coming forth with the evidence. So, I mean, who's coming forth saying that something happened. And we have to take that into consideration. You can't just come out. I mean, I always tell women, consider your own son or consider your own father or consider your own brother or your uncle or anybody you have in your family. What if some woman showed up for 50 years later showing, and he back in 1922, he raped me with no proof and everything, ruined your father's name, all kind of stuff. And you have no repercussions. And the Me Too movement is saying women deserve to be believed. No, it doesn't mean that women deserve to be believed. Women deserve to to be heard, and women deserve to be. Uh, it should be taken seriously so it can be properly investigated. Because there are plenty of women who are lied, who have lied, and men who have went to jail for women who have lied about accusations of sexual assault. That's fact. So, yes, every woman should be taken seriously when she accuses somebody of rape, but the proper investigation has to be done. And women, if you show up 30 years later, it's hard to prove that shit, okay? Ain't that you might not be telling the truth. It's just that 30 fucking years later. It's just, we had a climate here a couple of years ago where judges were making decisions uh, uh, very uh toxic decisions by uh, convicting people from cases for 25 and 30 years ago with no proof and just a lot of hearsay, ruining people's lives. Even Brett Kavanaugh. I mean, that somebody was talking about him in high school. She was saying she got groped by him in high school. He almost lost the Supreme Court case because of something that happened, allegedly had happened. And most of the, and a lot of people saying they, from her high school said, from their high school said they didn't even remember her. I mean, somebody come from 40 years ago, talking about back in 1922, remember in high school you wrote me, damn it, I was 16. I don't remember damn much of whatever I was doing. Oh my God, it's just a crazy world we live in. It's really crazy. It's really crazy. And this is not to be, and I'm not one to dismiss, uh, to be dismissive of a sexual assault case. I believe that anybody who sexually assaults women is a horrible creep and should be under the jail. But I also believe that people have a right to a fair trial. And just because somebody, you can, like, the, the, I remember Malcolm X said, that the press, the media can make someone that's innocent look guilty and guilt someone who's guilty look innocent. That's how the power of the press. I, I will never forget having um, on my show, on the show a few years back, um, 
the lady who was investigating Michael Jackson, I forget her name, but she was on our show uh, years ago, and she said that she went in to prove that Michael Jackson was guilty, and what she found was reports, reporters and stuff holding back a, a lot of news that they should have been reporting on, and she used to say to her reporter friends, why aren't you reporting this? This is big and stuff. And she said, she said they would all say the money and the ratings is in the guilt. So you had a lot of people failing to report things that, that were uh, uh, relevant about the Michael Jackson case because they wanted to, making him look guilty brought more people to, brought ratings up. Making him look guilty, uh, uh, set more of a, a better storyline, like a soap opera and stuff. So th- th- the press was literally playing with his life. I mean, it's nothing to have the media press uh, uh, taint juries nowadays. It's, it happens all the time. As a matter of fact, people don't even hardly talk about tainted juries. You just assume they are tainted because, I mean, there is an overabundance of information about things given out, and a lot of times it's half-assed information. Like, we hearing all the charges against Art Kelly, but I can ask most people, have you really read about what the charges are consist of? I've read some of them, but most people haven't read that. They just hear what they hear on their local news. I'm like, you, you feel that right, but they haven't really sat down and said, dang, Wait a minute. They consider they tell him about he child trafficking. Was he trafficking, or was was that is that a real case? Is that a? But you can ruin somebody's reputation with just putting it out there, and it can destroy someone's life. And I'm not Kelly. You know, you know, you know. I think like someone like Kelly, but I'm just saying that uh, there is it's easy to bring perceptions on people. And to put things on people, you can you can ruin my life in a day. Somebody, all somebody got to do is put out something bad about me, and the press get a hold of it. And every day, she's this, she's that, and just keep regurgitating it till you till you believe it. And most of y'all won't go out and research it. Nobody will do anything. Most people will do anything. Most people will believe it with no reasons. They'll start they'll start hashtags on Twitter about you and not even read any stories. Most people haven't read about read the women's uh account with Bill Cosby. If they had, most people wouldn't be up there uh probably seeing some of the stuff they say. So that's all I have to say about the Cosby case, y'all. I want to, you know, just say that, and it's sad with Felicia Rashad. It's sad that you can't have your opinion nowadays. You know, even myself, you know, with this show and stuff, I've been just like, you know, I, I've been going through my little thing because I'm, you know, I'm like, you know, how how do I in the future, you know, approach doing this show? Because I, I share a lot with you guys and stuff like that, but it's getting harder and harder to share uh, what's authentic without being persecuted for it, you know? So um, we got such a cancel culture out here. It's real crazy. It's really real. It's really real in the streets. Wow. Okay? So you guys, that's it for the late night show. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I came on to give you guys a show because I know I was off last week. I hope you enjoy your 4th of July. 
in the celebration of Independence Day. And I hope y'all have a really good one with friends and family, okay? So I'm going to leave y'all with uh, tonight. Let me see what I'm going to go with. Yeah, I don't know. I'm half asleep. <laughs> Let's leave with uh, No Plans. I love this damn song. This become one of my favorite songs, Be Nice, No Plans for Love, okay? It's the Carlotta Chatwood Show. Y'all have a good one. Happy 4th of July, y'all. See ya. <laughs> Now.